Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. And today, I'm sitting here with a three-time national champion. You probably all know who he is, but this is Christian Seiler. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Enjoying it down here in Odessa, Texas. And uh, all the scores are in, for the most part, for me. And shot a big, long match, so I'm just relaxing. So life, uh, life's pretty good. But you are watching the scores closely. <laughs> I am. We, uh, we just checked about a minute ago. You know, yes, you, can, uh, you can never be you know, too safe. You can never just you know, hang up in the shed at the end of the day and, and stop looking. You always got to keep checking and right. uh, a lot of great talented shooters out here jj rikaza is always you know an amazing shooter always on top of his game so right he always can pull out some crazy stages so it's always worth checking and uh and making sure he's not not too close but he's always giving me a good run for my money for sure very cool well before we get into shooting and everything mm-hmm. that's happened currently and stuff in the past what even got you started mm-hmm. shooting when did you yeah. you know i know i know a little bit about your baseball history career mm-hmm. but what when did you first pick up a gun yeah so i start, first picked up a gun uh, a little bit before i was 13 so maybe like 10, 11, 12, like okay. that, that sort of time. It's kind of hard to put a date exactly on. I go yeah. look at some pictures, but probably like 10, 11, started shooting, uh, you know, shot intro class. One of my baseball buddies invited me over to his dad's house and said, Hey, do you want to go play with my dad's guns? My dad obviously told my dad about it. He's like, that's a terrible that idea. Sounds like somebody might have freaked out on that happen. Like, yeah, like, no. <laughs> yeah. My dad is not one to freak out, but he's like, right. absolutely not. So, exactly. uh, yeah. And I've been shooting BB guns, uh, growing up. I mean, I shot my Red mm-hmm. Rider BB gun until the spring broke on it from cocking it so many times and shooting so many BBs. And um, so I loved shooting and watch a bunch of movies and everything. And dad's like, Hey, you want to be respectful and shoot these guns and be real careful and safe. Let's do a gun safety class. So okay. we did the gun safety class. And so I, did you have to do the gun safety class before you went to your friend's house to do the guns or what that look like? Yeah. Never went over to the friend's house. Never okay. ended up doing that, but, uh, took the gun safety class just so we, you know, we were prepared if we ever ran into a situation where we were at someone's house and someone had guns and, you know, not to touch them or how to be safe with them. If you did have to, you know, touch them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So took the gun safety class. And at the end of the class, we got to shoot some guns, you know, 22 pistol, nine millimeter handgun. And it was super fun. And I told my dad at the end of the class, uh, I don't really remember it as much. My dad remembers me saying, wow, I have a whole new respect for guns and how they work. Right. And I'd really like to come back. So we came back and, you know, slowly but surely, we you know, went to the range, picked up new, you know, shot new guns there. Mm-hmm. Before you knew it, we were convincing our mom to get a lifetime membership at the local range. And, now, you're living mm-hmm. in what state while this is going uh, on? In Washington. So this I lived in, in Seattle Washington. or okay. Bellevue my entire life. Okay. So it's like, you know, 20 minutes outside of Seattle. So. Did they have, did your parents <clears throat> have a gun for self-protection when you were growing up? Do you remember anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so they they're not like big gun people or anything mm-hmm. like that. They did have a pump shotgun for like oh, if okay. someone was trying to like intrude the house or anything, but it was never shot. You know, my right. dad shot shotguns with his cousins when he was growing up a couple times, but really okay. not like a gun house at all. But we had the shotgun uh, okay. that I didn't even really know about. My dad did had it all locked up and everything. So right. not I basically got myself into shooting to a certain extent. And I was the one dragging my dad and my brother out to the range you know, going back. And then eventually we're like, hey, we rented the gun like 10 times. We could have bought the gun by now. So we bought a 22 pistol. Right. And then we're like, hey, let's get a nine millimeter pistol and got that started shooting it. And then before you knew it, I was like, uh, you know, shooting some some trap as well. And I saw uh, the action bays at the end of the range, people were shooting, running and gunning. I'm like, I want to do that. Right. And, uh, you know, shot some seal challenge, shot some IDPA. And then that summer, so this is like in a four month span. I watched a video of the MGM junior camp down in Idaho. And I was like, this is a summer camp where you shoot guns 
sign me up, whatever it takes. And I read the website and it says you have to shoot three, four matches, whatever. And so I just picked up the phone that afternoon. And I called Mike and Rodna Gibson and they were just, uh, you know, super happy to talk to me. And I was love chat with them. They're like, Hey, you know, maybe go shoot another match, get some practice, do some drive mm-hmm. fire. We'd love to have you. And that's kind of where it all started. I went down to the junior camp, got a lot of instruction and just like really inspired, really jazzed up, really excited when I left there and mm-hmm. wanted to train, wanted to learn, wanted to watch videos. And I remember leaving the, leaving the camp, you know, being exhausted, but so excited to go figure out more stuff and go shoot. And, uh, that's kind of how I started. Well, there's a lot of stuff to, do, to digest there. You <laughs> made a comment about trap. So you yes. shot shotgun for a while. Yeah, a little bit, nothing serious. I mean, I was still shooting like a, a youth 20 gauge pump shotgun. Okay. I remember I shot that for a little bit and then I got, uh, I got a Benelli used from uh, one of my dad's friends. And I, the first time I shot, I shot 25 out of 25 with it. And okay. I'm like, all right, we'll buy that gun. You know, right. I'm really good. And, uh, so shot that for a little bit, but never, never any competitions or anything like that just for okay. fun. And I really enjoyed it because my dad really likes doing that. And, you know, he'll go out time, you know, now and again and shoot with my brother too. So that was kind of fun doing that all together. But the pistol right. stuff is where I really like to compete right. in and stuff. And when you had a 22, did you do mm-hmm. any, any steel shooting at that point or what, yeah. what kind of 22 shooting were you doing? Yeah. So I start with the Walther P22 at this like action steel locally. Mm-hmm. And at the local range, I shoot at Redden Fishing Game Club. They had a SASP team. It used to be okay. SPP and now it's SASP. Yes. And uh, there was three other really competitive guys on the team. They're all around my age. And so we would do like Wednesday night, Friday night practices. And mm-hmm. was that not a real active chapter? Or it was, was it? Because, it was really active. Because they're the leader and, and they, mm-hmm. they, they are the feeder for the Olympic shooting team is the SASP. And that's, SASP, yeah. Yeah. So is that something that you really didn't know that could have been a path to go down that way? Or what did that look like? Because yeah. I talked to a lot of people with SASP mm-hmm. because they want to be involved in that because that's where some of the Olympic mm-hmm. athletes are chosen to come from. Definitely. So that's something that you even knew was something happening there. You didn't find that out until later. Yeah. So I knew, but I mean, in hindsight, maybe I should have done some shotgun stuff because I think I could have right. applied the same skills and analytical stuff and shot that and gone to the Olympics, which would have been really cool. But I love right. the pistol stuff. Right. But as far as the feeder stuff, it's more like the, you know, the air, not airsoft, but the uh, air rifles and air pistols. And that's not as exciting. Okay. The only Olympic stuff I'd want to do would be like shotgun or maybe men's rapid fire. Even that's a little bit boring. Right. Um, but no, I just shot it, had a bunch of fun. Our team went to the nationals like three or four times down in Marengo, Ohio. I believe that's where it is. Right. The first one was in Sparta, Illinois. And, you know, we got funding from the club and different grants and stuff from Midway USA, which was really cool. Yes, I did put a lot into it. A lot into it. And that was really good. And uh, now going back to the steel program, like when I go to the range now, they have a huge Connex with like a bunch of steel targets and it's a big program. But when we were there, it was a small program, but very strong program. And we would practice all the time, do a lot of 22 stuff, travel different matches. And so that was really fun. So that was kind of the building blocks to my success in USPSA that I think I don't give enough credit to. But I shot a lot of 22 steel challenges stuff when I was real young and right. a lot of match experience. And I think I won the SSP national maybe two or three times. Our team wanted a bunch because we had, right. uh, you know, I was uh, the, the, one of the fast, fastest guy on the team, but then we also had three guys that could really shoot. You know, most teams had one or two good guys and one or two people that were kind of just getting into it. Mm-hmm. It was me and then three guys that were training and doing well. And we shot really, really well. And we had a local team that was real competitive. We shot against two. So that was the building blocks for USPSA was, was steel challenge and uh, SASP. I mean, I definitely attribute a lot of my success uh, to that and that early training. Right. Um, but it's definitely a, you know, a small program builds kind of a feeder program and different college programs in USPSA. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good stepping stone, but um, yeah, it's a good program. Well, that's cool. Cause let's, let's back up a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. you also, you know, when you started sports, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming was baseball your first sport. I think so. What age did you start that? 
Uh, I did T-ball. So okay. uh, maybe you have, you have kids, so you probably know the ages for that. I have no idea. Maybe it's like well, nine or 10. The reason I asked that, because, you know, when, when I was in Alabama, mm-hmm. we grew up in the, in the, as a seventies kid, you mm-hmm. know, it's called Dixie youth baseball. And I think it's mm-hmm. been bought up by something else now, but yeah. we started at six and seven years old. Oh, wow. So that's when we started, you know, it wasn't T-ball. It was, mm-hmm. it was actual, you know, you know, overhand pitch at, yeah. you know, six and seven years wow. old. And I played baseball a lot myself growing yeah. up. So that's why I was asking some questions because, mm-hmm. you know, that involves a lot of, you know, movement and, and, strate- and strategic movement, you know, yeah. being able to cut, you know, for the ball, being able to make, being able to predict things are going to happen based Definitely. on how they're swinging late or swinging, you know, early, 100%. whatever that looks like. So mm-hmm. what position in baseball did you play? Yeah. So I played multiple positions, but I think I probably started on the same age, maybe seven, eight, nine, doing T-ball and everything, played okay. my entire life. But um, when I was younger, I played a lot of infield and pitched. And then in high school, I played outfield and pitched. Okay. Um, that was just kind of natural progression of where coaches needed me. But I basically played all around the diamond. I mean, there probably wasn't a position I hadn't played, you know, a considerable amount of innings at. But pitching is what I really, really loved. But I also loved swinging. At. And I was never really like a big defensive guy. I never was like, oh, I love catching fly balls or I love fielding, right. fielding ground balls. But I love to hit and love to pitch. And, uh, you know, played that all throughout, you know, middle school and high school, played high school, played all always summer ball, traveling all, all across. She the, did a lot of travel mm-hmm. ball and stuff like that as well. A lot of travel ball. Not a lot across the country, but definitely mm-hmm. in the local states, going down to Oregon, Idaho, Montana. Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, the Little League is, and when you get into college level, is huge out definitely. west compared to how it is in the southeast. So mm-hmm. is, was that a path that you thought that might could lead somewhere to go to be in the major leagues one day? Yeah. Because based on how you're driven, I don't see you just doing that as a, I think when you jump into something, correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, Yeah, this is my sport. It's not a yep. hobby. So when you were jumping yeah. into <laughs> baseball, that that was that your sport at one time? Definitely. That was that was my main, main, main thing. Okay. I don't think I really made the switch to like shooting as my main thing until like my senior year of high school. That's when I started winning more matches and mm-hmm. kind of saw baseball fading out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But baseball was my main thing. I put a lot of hours into that. That's like what I did when I was growing up. Why did baseball fade out? Uh, I mean, there's no way, in my opinion, I never thought that I was had the skills and talents or size or projected enough to go okay. to the MLB. And like, I okay. totally got that as far as a major league thing. I definitely could have played in college. Like, even where I was with like not doing any like college recruiting camps or anything like that, I definitely could have played at some JUCOs or maybe like a D3 or something like that. Right. But I think it's funny you mentioned that because that's one of the reasons why I love shooting so much is it's mm-hmm. just me. And I'm the only person that has to believe in myself is just me in baseball. You have to have your coaches also believe in you. Agreed. It's a team. It's a team. Right. Mm-hmm. And my teammates in summer ball and everything always, always believed in me always, you know, you know, real good and everything in high school. I never thought that my coaches had my back as much and believed in me as much as I thought I believed in myself. Right. And so I felt pretty underutilized in high school ball, but okay. in summer ball, I was in one of the best one. I was hitting three or hitting one, you know, mm-hmm. so either best hitter or a good leadoff hitter. Yeah, Cause so. in travel ball, you mm-hmm. get recruited. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they want you to like, hey, we want you to go with us, you know, because that's a big difference. So definitely when you're recruited, that's there's a level of pride there that yes. says, oh, I'm wanted. Definitely. So, you know, so summer ball was more of the more of where you, you know, started to realize that this is what's for me kind of thing yes. at that point. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I really loved I really loved uh, baseball and all, everything like that. But I never went out and seek like college recruiting classes or, uh, you know, camps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't project well with my size. Be like In high school, I was one year younger. Like my birthday was was just at the cutoff. Like if I was born one month later, mm-hmm. I'd be one year behind. So I look at my, like my physique in college freshman year versus senior year, right? 20, 30 pounds heavier, a lot taller. Like not that I'm a tall guy or anything like that, but a lot bigger and I'll project better. So I didn't wasn't like a standout like that at all. But if you look at my high school team, I'd say doing me 25% of people I was playing with are playing D one playing at big four year universities, you know, doing great things. 
on my summer ball team, probably 50 to 75% of those people were playing in college. And I was one of the best two or three players on the team, played every single inning on my summer ball teams, but right. never started in my high school team. So I felt pretty undervalued in high school, which maybe lowered my self-confidence on what I could potentially do with baseball. Mm -hmm. So now looking back at baseball, I think I could have gone a lot further with it, mm -hmm. but I don't think I would have gone as far with shooting as I would have with baseball. Well, there, there, there is some politics involved in baseball as Definitely. well. And yeah. a lot of people don't understand that I do just based mm -hmm. on my father. It was actually over the, the ballpark area. He's like one of the administrators of the ballpark. Yeah. So he knew a lot of people and it took people to get names thrown out there to get scouts to look at them and stuff Definitely. like that. So, you know, you know, if you're not making phone calls, somebody's usually making phone calls for you yeah, to make definitely. that stuff happen. So you didn't really have that political insight when it was going on with high school ball? Yeah, not really with high school ball. A lot of complexity going on there. But with the summer ball, I played really, really well. I love doing that. But I also don't think I had the personal drive, probably because of my feelings towards how I was treated on the high school baseball team by my coaches mm -hmm. not being uh, you know, very valued. Like, Myself and one other player probably played 50% of the innings in high school baseball. We we're both on the summer ball team, two of the best players on the summer ball team. He's playing at a four-year big university now, right. but never really started for our high school team. So I think that kind of lowered my self-confidence of what I could have done. Right. But looking back, I mean, I watch videos and stuff and I look at just comparing myself like retrospectively now looking back at it. I could have gone a lot further with it and I love the game. I get a little taste of that now. I play Tuesday night in one league for softball with one group of friends. Okay. And then Wednesday night with another group of friends in another league. So, and I love being back on the diamond, you know, hitting balls, pitching. I mean, right. pitching's a little different obviously now. Right. But I still go throw a bullpen here, here now. And right. I throw a lot. It's funny. I throw a lot harder now than I did in high school and I don't do band work. I don't do anything differently. Just kind of grown in my body a little bit. Right. But, um, do you yeah, think there it. was a level of um, doing that from six and seven, a mm -hmm. level of burnout by the time you were there too? Maybe a little bit. That's what I experienced myself. I mean, when yeah. I got in high school, I was like, okay, I'm done. I, yeah. I, I, because one, my dad was driving me to go, you know, yeah. not driving me physically, but driving me mentally yes. go, got a game, you got a game, you got practice, you got yes. practice. And it was just, it was, it was a lot because yeah. I wasn't a big sports guy. And I was like going, I was doing it because it was what all the neighborhood kids are doing. I grew up in the neighborhood right. and everything else, but it's one of those things that I never had the passion right. for it. So I burn out. Yeah. And luckily, my parents have never really pushed me to do anything. They're kind right. of like, you know, they're very supportive of whatever I'm doing, but they're never be like, hey, you got to go to practice. You got to do this or anything like that. Mm -hmm. My mom actually kept me in baseball when I was probably like 10 or 11. I had a, just had a bad summer ball team and I was like, oh, I want to quit, whatever. And my mom's like, hey, just keep in it for like two more years. So when you play for your company softball team, you're not like terrible. Like, you know, my baseball buddies say you got to play up to 13U. Otherwise, your swing and arm slot aren't fully developed. So I'm like, oh, I'll do it. And then the next year, loved it and would never ever quit ever again. Right. Wow. But, um, I think part of it was being underutilized in high school, kind of lowered my confidence, what I could do with baseball. Mm -hmm. Also had a, just a bunch of injuries. I never had like Tommy John or anything, but I had a fat pad impingement, got that taken out my senior year. What is year. that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Basically there's, you have these different like fat pads and all your different joints and you can okay. pinch it. And somehow I pinched mine. So I needed to get that like removed. It kept getting pinched. Right. I had a hernia surgery my junior year. So I had a bunch of, wow. bunch of injuries and Were stuff. Were you doing weightlifting or anything? Yeah. I was doing a lot of lifting. Like okay. I ran cross country. And so I was, I was real, like real lean. I was never a big jacked guy or anything. I was 140 pounds in high school, real lean. And I was lifting a lot and, uh, probably pulling more than I, I should have, but also you're okay. genetically predisposed to having, having that. So I had hernia surgery I had an elbow surgery. So with like a kind of plague of injury, and being like naturally a pretty inflammatory body okay. plus kind of high school. I was like, this maybe isn't something I want to do, you know, moving forward. And at that point, shooting was picking up. And I love that. And right. um, 
I saw I could go a lot further in that. And I loved it a lot more and something I was really passionate about. But I think I learned a lot of lessons from baseball I can take into shooting, which is really good. That is cool. So let's talk about the shooting again, because mm-hmm. I definitely want to focus on that. I just want to get a little bit of history about yeah, definitely. where that's at, you know, based on your drive and everything else. Because yeah. it makes a lot of sense based on what you told me where you're at with baseball. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't aware of all the injuries as well. Yeah. But, you know, you start shooting and you see people running and gunning. Yeah. And you made the comment earlier that's what I want to do. What, were you were you a big video game guy? Was that the reason why? You know what 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 really yeah. put you in that mode? Because when you told me, you know, we talked about doing a podcast or anything. I'm going. Yeah. I'm like going. All right, this guy's almost the same age as my son. <laughs> you know, my son's twenty yeah. nothing years old. Mm-hmm. Life experience is not a lot there. So I, I, I actually. I stressed out a little bit, like, what are we going to really talk, talk about? about? Because there's so much that I don't, you know, it's like talking to my, not no disrespect, but, no, my, but my son, who's like, you've done a lot more than he has, of course, but we'll get through it. But that's where my mind went no, with this whole yeah. process. So mm-hmm. were you, were you, are you still a big video gamer? Are you still doing a lot of that? Because I hear on other, mm-hmm. I listen to other podcasts. And I've heard yeah, that yeah. you do other video games. Yeah, so. yeah. Sometimes. So that's kind of funny. So I played like Call of Duty when I was growing up. Okay. And I played a little bit in middle school. Really nothing in, in high school at all. Right. And nothing in college until quarantine happened. And uh, So I you had, started video uh, games in quarantine? Well, I, I played when I was younger. Okay. But I didn't have the Xbox One console. But okay. I picked one up from a buddy in my fraternity. And, I, and people were playing Wars zone this call of duty game yeah I'm and so i was like it. yeah you're familiar and i was like oh you know let's get some drops and let's play got the right. xbox live membership started playing i was pretty good at it like obviously i'm not some streamer or anything but you know pretty solid i get some why dubs. do you think you were good at it because i have mm-hmm. a, i have a theory i'm gonna let you know here in a second right, but I'm curious about tell that. me tell me why mm-hmm. you think you're so good at video games i think the hand-eye coordination is there but also i was like Whatever I do, I'm going to take the full analytical approach at it. Like okay. I'm, I'm watching these softball games and taking my buddies like just terrible swings. I'm just like making it work, teaching them how to do stuff like very analytical mind on it. So mm-hmm. like I strategize on the map, do all that sort of stuff. Also hand eye coordination, but also very, very competitive. So I hate okay. to lose. I hate to get killed. I hate to get, you know, you get finished in these games, these finishing mm-hmm. moves absolutely hate it and so uh got pretty pretty solid at it, just practicing and stuff and shot with a bunch of era uh, not shot with but uh played video games a bunch of uh you know uspsa shooters here so i had a bunch of fun with that but i don't know i think it's the hand-eye coordination and just whatever i do i just gotta go full at it and like get after it all right but, let me tell you what mm-hmm. my theory is yeah because i came across watching mm-hmm. you shoot and then talking yeah. to you but it really hit me mm-hmm. when i started listening to you on other podcasts mm-hmm. and i've actually had to slow down mm-hmm the podcast sometimes to, to the end because you can say more mm-hmm. in 30 seconds than the average individual. This is true. And so where I'm putting this at mm-hmm. is your brain seems to move faster mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. and you're very articulate and everything is happening, but your mm-hmm. brain seems to work faster that is true. than a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Did you, ever realize that or, or is that something you ever get ridiculed in the school like no. you talk so fast because i you know is there one when did you realize that your brain seems in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah to be faster than my brain no i think you're 100 <laughs> right it's so funny you say that because i sometimes ignore that but uh i was talking to one of my buddies the other day uh i was having an ice bath and i was just just ran, not rambling on it like you were saying like pretty articulate in what i'm actually saying mm-hmm. but very fast yes. and just a hundred words in 30 seconds, yes. you know, whatever it was. And, uh, my buddy who's kind of more just laid back, relaxed, very smart right. guy. He's just like, wow, I, I think you said more words than, than I could possibly say in mm-hmm. 10 minutes, you know, and I was like, 
that is very true. That's a very interesting observation. And he made that too. And he's also a very smart guy like yourself and can kind of take a step back and analyze the situation. But my brain does jump around to a million different things pretty quickly. Okay. And I, I have no problem like locking on to things. So I don't think I have any like attention problems, like different things. I can lock right. in no problem. But uh, I do think my brain processes things about a mile a minute. And okay. that helps when I go like break down stages and stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be a bit of distraction because I overthink the a million different things that could possibly be going on. I need to focus on a few things. Things, which right. I can focus down quickly, but I have all these things I need to then identify when you focus well, on. Well, it started sparking my interest before mm -hmm. your own podcast. And that's when mm -hmm. I was recording live at um, 2019, no, 2020 Nationals. Yes, that was so fun. And I was doing live mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I'd walk by you and you're like, hey, you want me to give you a breakdown of what's going <laughs> on so far? And I was like going, um, I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> At a match, you're like, no, no, this is this no, is I great. Like this, this. this is how I can relax. Yeah. I'm like, what? And you actually <laughs> gave some live mm -hmm. stuff during one of the lives I was doing at 2020 Nationals, mm -hmm. and that's when it started hitting me. I was like, going, how does somebody who is one of the repeat, you know, defending mm -hmm. champion, go in a situation where he can just step away? Talk about everything that's getting ready to happen. Mm -hmm. Talk about what just happened in the previous stage because your mind was working. And then when I heard you mm -hmm. on a podcast after that, yeah. I'm going. Okay, there's a, there's something going on here yeah. with the mind because I think that does affect your video game play because Definitely. I've watched my son play video games. Yeah. I'm jealous in a way that I could not ever play video games because I don't think my mind was working that fast because yeah. you've got 22, 23 mm -hmm. buttons on a controller. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like 10, but I get what you're saying. It feels like a lot. There's all these buttons and there's all this stuff happening mm -hmm. on the screen. There's 78 or 79 different graphics of, yep. of, of stats going on. Definitely. Everything around rolling the, around, yeah. every, rolling around constantly. Mm -hmm. And you're still focused on the mission, but you know yep. exactly where your health is at. You know exactly where you're at. Your ammo, everything. You know everything. Yeah. So that's why, I was, you know, your mind is working faster. Do you think, you know, in baseball, let's mm -hmm. back up a second. Yeah. Baseball is a slow sport. To a certain extent, it is. To a certain extent. You know, mm -hmm. when I, you know, you watch baseball on TV and it's like you're there. But of yes. course, when you're there, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. You know, you know you're know, you watching for signals if you're, you know, you know, if you're in third base or somewhere, you're watching for signals. So you're trying to get a heads up. So right. there's a lot of things you can focus on. But definitely you went from a sport that it, the only one sport I know that's slower mm -hmm. would be football. Yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> still pretty fast. You know? and, it's, and it's fast, too, because yeah. I know a lot of people that actually play in the NFL. And I get yeah. what they're thinking about what's not going on. I've had to right. talk to some of them. But... <laughs> Um, video games mm -hmm. and then shooting are two extremely a lot of things going on at once. Definitely. So when did you realize that your hand-eye coordination mm -hmm. was going to make you successful at shooting? Because this can't mm -hmm. be something where, in my opinion, that you, you went to your first match and just said, this is it. So, But w tell me what that looked like for you when you went to your very, very mm -hmm. first match. What was that like? Yeah, very first match was actually a local indoor range uh, IDPA classifier. It was, a US, it was an IDPA match, but I didn't know it was going to be a classifier. I was like, hey, it's all the same to me, you know, just going to show up. And my mom, like, what color was your fishing vest? <laughs> I think it was, I think it was a blue jacket. That was my mom's. That was big enough to cover my you had cover your garments. mom's jacket. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it this didn't is, look very, no, this feminine. is very cool. This is yeah, very yeah. cool. So it was a slim cut and everything. Uh, I mean, not really. It was actually like a bigger one. It was a bigger jacket. Were you in Washington? That's right. I you had lar larger jackets. Yeah. Yeah. Larger jacket, larger jackets. But, uh, by then I think maybe I was, I was smaller than her. I don't know. Hard to believe. She's like 
She's pretty short, but yep. me and my little mom walk in here and I'm 13. Big okay. old little chubby guy walks into this uh, this match. I got my concealment holster. The gun's pointed back like the FBI can't. I got a little double mag holder that's like clipped onto my belt with like okay. the little loops. And uh, th- I know all the guys that were there now, like personally, but mm-hmm. there's like, oh, gosh, this guy's going to shoot himself. Little they know. Little <laughs> no. they know. I mean, probably oh not goodness. that bad. Right. right? <laughs> but little they know. I've been watching all the videos. Hey, right. I know JJ. I know Max. I know all these guys on YouTube. Hey, right. I'm, I'm dialed. I'm ready to go. I know these rules, you know. Yeah. I've been little I've been dry firing at home, you so, know. So pause. I learned how to reload yes. on YouTube. Yes. You're telling me you pretty much learned how to shoot on YouTube? Well, I think showing up to the match, I think that I learned how to Well, of course that, but yeah, you, yeah. you watch people's techniques on YouTube before you actually shot? Uh before I shot my first match, I watched okay. like every USPSA ma- like video. Stuff you could find. Yeah, stuff I could find, right? Like uh Doug Koenig had like a little series that I watched really? and everything. Definitely. And okay. so I went to the IDPA match and and shot. I think it was like a marksman or something like that. It wasn't the bottom one. It was, mm-hmm. it was barely above the bottom one right. and uh, had a good time. And then like, hey, I think you would like USPSA come back on Thursday. So like, all right, let's get more, get more ammo, show up back on Thursday. So how many... I mean, what's it called in IDPA? Being down? Being down. Yeah. I mean, did you have a lot of... Oh, a lot of down. Okay. I had, okay. I had all, of the, all, all of the down points. <laughs> I had all of them. Every single one of them. I think the only down zeros I shot were from like five yards. But I was blasting. I was going quick. No doubt. You were fast. Oh, I was definitely... I mean, I was moving slow. Okay. But I was splitting like... 20s lots of, lots, lots of procedurals oh plenty of those <laughs> plenty of procedurals i think they're a little kind on me with that sort of stuff right. but um yeah there you know some fast splits not great hits so but, the, uh, so the idpa guys are saying hey you need to go do uspsa and leave us alone a little bit but the funny thing is this the idpa guys on tuesday are the uspsa guys they're okay. the same guys the same like guys. Okay. they may just want to get away get away from their wives two days on the weeknights <laughs> but um so i shot that and they're like hey you're pretty good like keep right. coming back and kept coming back i'm like yeah, you know, learning some stuff and, what did your mom mm-hmm think taking you to your first IDPA match I mean yeah you know, you, you know if you don't grow up in a gun cultural mm-hmm. family and yeah. you say you want to do this of course parents are going to be supportive right you go to an indoor gun range is not the quietest place to be either no where was mom at well, this mentally you know I think she was supportive because I was all excited and ready to go and like, really wanted to do this and I'd be showing her videos and hey I'm gonna go to this camp and everything like that but okay. I bet there was a part of her that was like oh gosh like what do we just get into is this gonna be the next thing that we're done in like six months with and never see again you okay. know I mean I love to get into things for a little bit and if I don't love it I do something else you Give know? me an example of that that you've I done. was just thinking of an example like what is a good <laughs> example of that well I don't know because all I've known you for is baseball and shooting so baseball what, and shooting. have you, have you uh, touched other sports for a little bit and got out of it not really other sports i mean i played basketball i was real young for a little bit and okay. went real hard for like two years and i was like oh, i just wanted to play baseball or okay. i went to like a fencing camp i'm like mom i want to keep fencing. doing that when i was real young yeah well that's another hand-eye coordination very fast mind acting sport definitely as well definitely I, yeah those people hitting points and you don't even you blink and it's done pretty much yeah pretty much and i did that like like a camp or two when i was real young and i was right. like really into it like oh is this really something you want to do okay. and ask me in two weeks if you want to do this again i didn't ask in yeah. two weeks you know i was on to the next thing but i kind of always liked all all different types of sports okay. you know like i'll pick up the ping pong paddle and i'll i'll love to play that like right. anything badminton volleyball okay. like i love that sort of stuff but so in all actual mm-hmm. in all likeness your mom probably thought this is gonna be like just something we're gonna do for six weeks yeah. and be done with it okay probably or maybe not what we're doing now right. i mean i didn't think if i asked her back then on this date, will we be in Odessa, Texas, shooting for 10 hours of out course. here in the heat, blasting around, being all serious about this? Probably not going to think that. But right. she was real supportive of it. You know, she just wanted me to be safe and everything. And right. the guys were super supportive of me. Once I saw I was safe, you could see that like this total change in how that 
the attitude towards me. At first, they're like, okay, be careful. Then they saw me shooting, like, oh, like, you know, work around here, like showing me tips on the stages and stuff. So I think she really enjoyed how I was 13 year old and these, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds were being super nice and supportive and helped me mm-hmm. out and, and having a good time with it. So I think that was pretty cool for her. But I think after a few more matches, right. I saw that, you know, I, I could get pretty good at this. So you went mm-hmm. to your, your second match with USPSA. Mm-hmm. Was it that Thursday after the Tuesday? It was, I think it was the direct Thursday afterwards. I came back. Like, I, I assumed it'd be based on, I can tell how your passion <laughs> yeah. is. You didn't waste any time. Did not waste any time. Showed up to that. Had a really fun time. I kept coming back on Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. or just picking one or the other. And then eventually a group there um, called Down Zero. Sort of IDPA predominantly, you know, state, you know, stationed. They mainly shoot IDPA, but right. truly they're USPSA shooters. They just, the roots of the organization was there. It's a small group of people. They said, hey, if you want to come to our practice session on Saturday, come shoot with us. So I shoot with the practice session on Saturday. It turns out it's like a group called Down Zero. They practice every Saturday night. There's two or three GMs in it, you know, a, a masterclass shooters, good shooters in, in, the, in it, and uh, just a practice session. So know? what year would this be? This would be back in 2015? Probably 14, 15. 14, yeah, 14 15. 15. Okay. And so uh, then after the first time, like, hey, if you really en- if you enjoyed coming out, we'd love to invite you to, you know, being down zero. And they always wanted to have a junior shooter to kind of take under their wing. And okay. he was a pretty good candidate for that because they you know, showed a lot of interest and passion in it. And Did anybody train you mm-hmm. at that young age? Yeah. So that's where it just kind of started is that group kind of took me under their wing and we would travel to like local matches together. Like, you know, we're driving down to Paul Bunny, like two hours south. We carpool in Bellevue, go down or we go to, you know, Tri-Cities, three, four hours across. We all carpool together and shoot matches. So your mom mm-hmm. and dad weren't going with you then? They were going with me. I think only one or two times or like they would meet me maybe over there the next day if we're going to early to walk stages. But right. I pretty much went, to, went with most matches with mom and dad, but a couple okay. I just went with the down zero guys. But every Saturday they'd have someone would lead the practice, set up a stage they wanted to do and they could have different configurations to change it indoor because it's an indoor bay. Right. Um, but we had, you know, two GMs, Zach Campbell and Andrew Hong. They no longer shoot as much as they used to. Uh, they have different hobbies and uh, a lot of kids now and stuff like that to take care of. Right. Um, but they trained me. They, they basically taught me everything I knew up to like probably 16, 17. That's when I started shooting a little bit less. But every Saturday they, they you know, I didn't listen to it as much as I should have. I guarantee all the stuff that I learned later on myself, they told me maybe I don't think I had the capacity to learn as much as I do now and kind of understand what was going on, but they would drill me through stuff to get all my gear, like help me with gear stuff, recommendations with that training, how to practice, run through stuff. So you're telling me that when you first got started, Mm-hmm. Make sure I understand. Yeah. You were getting all this information, but it wasn't really processing. It was not. Yeah. So you were taking it all in, but you were still just really just too excited about what was happening. So you really didn't mm-hmm. know how to put it, process it fundamentally is what you're saying? I think I was, I mean, the excitement is one thing. I just don't know if I had the mental capacity at, you know, 14, 15, maybe even 16 to really know what they were talking about. Okay. You know, like... I'm trying to think of a good example of that. But I remember when I was 18, 19, I would still text these guys. They're not even shooting USBSA, but I'm like, right. hey, guess what I just found out? Or guess what I figured out I could do with this? They're like, we remember telling you that, silly. Like, we've been telling you this for a long time. But like, right. you know, there's different intricacies that I've found myself that are, I wouldn't say different, but take the level of knowledge to a higher level. But mm-hmm. some of the fundamental stuff, I know they taught me, but it never really clicked. And I All think right. that was just being young, uh, not and just like the overall mental capacity when you're 14, 15 versus shooting, you know, maybe 20, 40,000 more rounds and kind of understanding the process a little bit more. Right. There's some things that are just so high level that you can't get them unless you've done kind of the building work to up, up to it. Makes sense. And you're doing a lot of local stuff in area one then. Yes. When's the first time you won your first match in a local area one? I'm trying to think. So I think the first one I ever won was, uh, is either IDPA state or this November charity match. And I basically, okay. that was the first time I ever beat my, like, like, uh, 
like the I forget the expression for it, but like the the Padawan beats the master yeah. or the the tra- the the trainee beats yeah. the, the trainer. And so I beat both of my like kind of like early mentors and coaches and like, hey, like we've done all we can do. Like you take it from here. And I was not ready to take it from there. That obviously helped me out some more. Right. But uh, I beat them probably at one of those local matches. And it was it wasn't like a beat thing. It was like, a you know, it's kind of a cool, cool moment for all three yeah, of us. But you're pretty much pretty aggressive in winning and you didn't have yeah. that taste of winning from baseball in a while. Yeah. So to win your first match, you felt that all over again. You still, yeah. I'm sure you still have your first plaque or your first plaque, whatever that is. I'm sure you still yeah. have that. I have all that sort of stuff. My, uh, my room at my parents' house, I live in Seattle with mm-hmm. some buddies, but at my parents' house, my room has like trophies and plaques over the entire wall. Like right. there were, there were like tan walls, but now they're like a hundred percent with like plaques with command strips, <laughs> like about the mega pack of command strips and filled it all up. I don't know what I'm gonna do with those eventually when I get a house, with the right. reloading room, I'll put them there, but right. I won that. And then I remember some real competitive matches early on with like Kwonset Kim over in the tri cities and Yong okay. Lee over in the tri cities. Um, I think 2016, I was third place at area one in, in Utah. Okay. Is that when you first started to people wondering who you were? A little bit because I had school to get back to. So I shot all day, maybe Saturday, Sunday and flew right out. So like, you know, third place, Christian Styler. Like, who is this guy? And I like, didn't even see him. <laughs> yeah. And one of my buddies went up and grabbed it. Like, that's not Christian. It's like, who is this guy? And I got a bunch right. of messages and oh, I've started my you know USBSA account on, on Instagram and everything like that. But third place at that. And then I came back the next year and started shooting open to kind of speed up my eyes a little bit. That was an idea from my two coaches. What Andrew. was your first open gun? I first, so I shot uh, a really old STI gun. Just someone loaned it to me, mm-hmm. but uh, I went down to the junior camp and there was a Predator Tactical gun built by Matt Burkett mm-hmm. uh, and an Idaho buddy had it. I met at the junior camp. I was back in Seattle, mm-hmm. sent it to me, you know, bought the gun from him, a couple magazines and had to tune it up to make it work properly. I had its own issues with it, but right. uh, I shot that for a little while and uh, that's all you needed, you know, a gun that was going to run and, and right. could keep up. And uh I shot that 2017 at area three. I think I was like seventh or eighth. Okay. And I saw Max won the match. Then maybe JJ was second. You think he shoot a tan foe that time. Max was, you know, stick open gun and everything. Okay. And I was looking at the scores and I was like, Oh, if I, you know, you always do the what if scenarios and it's, it's kind of a bad thing to do the what if scenarios. What if I did this, 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 and this, what would change? But at that point I was like, I know what I can improve upon. Like light bulbs started to click of what I could improve upon in the match. I was like, well, if I took a second off here, 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 and let's say my draws, my draws really bad back then. Let's say I t- they're not great now either, but let's say I took 0.2 off all this. Well, then I'd be, you know, only off by like 1%. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and train and really focus on this and really get after it. Now, when you say mm-hmm. train, yes. was that anybody helping you or were you just training by watching mm-hmm. YouTube or training? Because yeah. you made a comment earlier mm-hmm. about dry fire back yes. when you first started. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't address it, but you know what dry fire was back then. No. It's just something that's in your mind now to say dry fire. Yes. So when did you start really knowing like, okay, mm-hmm. Did somebody tell you how to train? Did, what did that look like? You know, did you have a trainer? You know, what, yeah. what did that look like? So on Saturday, Sunday nights, and dry fire is a whole other topic. I kind of changed some things with that as of late. But uh, back to that, I mean, when I first started practicing on Saturday nights, that was my first like practice. Like I never practiced outside of Saturday nights. Okay. And that was with the, uh, you know, my two buddies and, and uh, other other people in the downstairs group, but they led the, the actual you know training session. And those were stages usually. Those were stages, unless one of them was really pumped about pumped up about some new drills they saw on YouTube or something like that. And they'd run all, you know, maybe three of us, maybe 10 of us through all these drills uh, for two or three hours. Okay. So that was the the practice. But I think at 2017, at that point when I shot area three, no one from down zero came with me. It was just me that went to that match. And it was at that point that 
I was going to do all my own practice. And okay. I got uh, access to the, to the bays at Renton, uh, which is kind of a pain to get out there and everything with the different rules and everything. Um, but that's when I started to say, okay, now I'm going to do my own practice, my own training. And my dad and I would just go to the range and I set up some stages, set up some targets. And I watched some YouTube videos and read some books on some drills to do and just started doing that. It wasn't until I got later on where I was like devising my own practice strategies. And it was more the skill development that drove the practice rather than the practice driving the skills. Who was your favorite shooter to watch on YouTube? If you can trying to think who my favorite shooter to watch. Um, Who do you, who do you think? You, when you first mm-hmm. got started, who did you think you mimicked yourself? You know what? After? That's actually not even a question. I don't even really think about it. That's definitely Max Michelle. Okay. Definitely Max Michelle. So when I went to the MGM Junior Camp, it's funny how the how all the timeline works. And obviously today, shooting against him and everything like mm-hmm. that. But um, it's funny how that works. He was at the MGM Junior Camp. I remember they all gave us these little notepads. And Max gave like kind of like the keynote speech. to It's just the kids. So the parents aren't right. there. It's just the kids. We can ask just candid questions about whatever, about life, about shooting, whatever. It's just us and Max. And Max has a floor for about an hour just answering questions, kind of gives a speech. And I remember being very motivated by the speech and just in absolute awe of his career and the type of man that he is and the mm-hmm. way that he, you know, a family man, a competitor, and really looked up to Max. So Max is, Max was and has and is still my guy, you know, right. as far as someone I look up to. Right. Um, and obviously competing against him is different now, but he's a guy I definitely looked up to and, and uh, someone I definitely emulated myself as and someone I looked to of, you know, how he's managed different sponsors and relationships and how he's conducted himself on and off the range. Definitely someone I look up to um, as far as, as far as that goes for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I, I remember seeing his shooting and just was like, just so clean, so precise. So, and, and I watched his 2017 world shoot. I probably watched that video. It's called Max versus the world hot shots. I think it's still on YouTube. Right. I've watched him win the world shoot. Like, 15 times probably at this point. I absolutely love that. It gets me fired up every single time. So Max is someone I definitely looked up to at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Obviously, JJ, of course, been seeing him shoot for a very long time. Right. Definitely watched a lot of his a lot of his you know videos on movement and everything. And some of that now makes me question, am I giving other people a competitive advantage by posting breakdown videos, posting all my stages right. and everything, which I think I am to a certain extent. But um looked up to you know with him and then watched a lot of Ben Stagger stuff at a young age. Okay. Um Saul Kirsch, I now kind of kind of consider as a, him as like a mentor and a coach to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Run some questions by him all the time and hop on FaceTime stuff, double alpha. And, and and once it Kim was in your area, yes. Was he giving you any technical advantage? Or, anything back because he's the professor mm-hmm. you know he's a professor yes. it's one of those things was he giving you mm-hmm. any knowledge back in the early times when you first got started or was you know, he yeah did you really know each other you know didn't really know each other it's really funny when he was first starting shooting uspsa i was kind of like like the local gm guy shooting production mm-hmm. I remember him introducing himself to me i was like who is this guy you know he's all right. excited coming to me hey how's it going my name's Swansick. you know i'm from south korea or whatever i'm here mm-hmm. shooting USPSA matches like oh that's a cool nice guy you know but uh then all of a sudden he's just you know local competitor to threat you know like really good shooter yeah. um and obviously he's, he's always been a friend always been a real nice guy but you I, were shooting different mm-hmm. divisions because you were shooting open i was shooting open by then but i think mm-hmm. we had one last match overlap before i was gonna shoot open okay and it was uh inland empire in eastern washington it was young myself and Hwansik, and we all shot together and Hwansik barely beat me i, I was winning <laughs> and i just i just hit some no shoots and stuff whatever right. it's all in the past it's See, in the past but you still remember it. i was just gonna say i'm very competitive <laughs> i still remember it but i remember that and and we're we're good friends and and we run things yeah good friends i know for a long time but i remember that was the last competitive match then it was like we were right. just really really supportive of each other he's doing his own thing i was doing my own thing but real supportive of each other um but uh that's when i went to open so right. so when you went yeah. to open and I know when I remember one of the first guns you used to shoot mm-hmm. was an, was an Akai. Yes. When did you first reach out to sponsors? What did that look like for you? Because yeah. coming up out of nowhere mm-hmm. on the West Coast. Yes. And you know, a lot of 
shooting sports and everything mm-hmm. was happening on the East Coast, right. especially because when you were getting started, one when I was when I was getting started. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, you went all the way to, you know, how'd you get in touch with you know, at a, a guy? Did he reach out to you after something? You reach out no, to him? Yeah. What did that look like? So I was just shooting the Predator Tactical gun and I had all sorts of different problems with it. And I'm like, okay, I need to get a new gun. Okay. And my coaches were shooting uh, the Atlas guns and I shot okay. those in a match. I really like those guns. Um, that's some of the early, early models. They're, you know, uh, really early Atlas models. And mm-hmm. then, uh, so I like that gun. I was like, I'm just going to get one of these. But then, uh, someone had a local Akai gun. He's like, Oh, it shoots great. She was really flat. And I was like, mm-hmm. this gun's sweet. And saw so they had a contingency program. And I was like, well, okay. Well, my last couple matches, I would have paid for like half a gun. Like, let's do this. And Shay was, was real nice, real friendly with me and wanted to get, make sure I got the right gun and everything. Right. So just bought one of those guns, started shooting with that. And obviously that relationship grew into yes. like a, yeah, contingency program sort of sponsorship to an extent as well. Mm-hmm. And they treat so me was he, was, nice he, was he one of your first sponsors besides your parents? <laughs> yes, I know, parents, yeah. Parents are definitely uh, the biggest sponsor. Right. But I think my first sponsor, my first sponsor was Rainier Ballistics, their local, uh, you know, bullet manufacturer. Yes. Unfortunately, they've gone out of, you know, closed up shop, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were the number one, you know, sponsor right from the, from the beginning. You know, get me bullets, get me all dialed right Very important. Go. Very important. They, they believed me very early on. And I still Why do you think that owner. is? What, how did they, did you take mm-hmm. them your scores or what are they mm-hmm. seeing you how did they know you know there's so many great shooters out there mm-hmm. but there's when you go to somebody and you know mm-hmm. as a sponsor myself we, we hear it all we see it yeah, all what, what made rainier as a bullet company believe mm-hmm. in you from the beginning what that look like you know i think me being able to meet the owner in just like a casual setting is just met him to set up a meeting with him through friends that set up the meeting say hey you should go look at this guy mm-hmm. just getting to know the guy personally say hey, you know you're a good guy i'm a good guy like, 17 or 18 years old I think I was 16. Yeah, yeah. 16. And just, just, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what I'm mm-hmm. looking to go. And we would love to, you know, make a very mutual relationship here, you know, benefiting each other, growing the brand, helping me, you know, reach my goals and dreams and, and kind of reach a top together. And so how did it make you feel when you closed the deal? It was pretty exciting. Cause was, you won. It was, yeah. Cause selling, mm-hmm. I've been in sales since I was Definitely. 21 years old mm-hmm. or 20, but when you close the deal, that's mm-hmm. a win. Definitely. So yeah. that's a taste of winning. Yeah. And I, I definitely felt in that circumstance, especially that's a win for both parties, but it mm-hmm. definitely is a win. But I was definitely really excited. And I drove my little uh, VW Jetta down and uh, the car was so sunk down with the bullets we were putting in there. Mm-hmm. Grabbing the first look at allotment of bullets. I was like, this is this is sweet. You know, it was definitely very exciting, but right. I was ready to get to work for them and, and, and make it happen with them. But I think one of the main reasons also I got that sponsorship was a few local guys really believing in me. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Yang Lee. Uh, Yang Lee used to be the head firearm instructor at Bellevue. Okay. Uh, BD, Grandmaster, top 10 GM guy. He's a little bit older now. Doesn't compete as much, but right. really, really great guy. And and uh, when I was early on, he's like, he pointed at me at a match. He says, by the way, hey, you're going to be a national champion. I'm like, oh, funny joke. You know, like, no way. Wow. And that's why I was like, maybe like a class with a production guy. He's like, nope, 100%. Keep doing what you're doing. You're figuring things out. I watch you all day long. You'll figure it out. I'm like, okay, for sure. That brings up a great question before mm-hmm. we get into some other stuff as well. When you did your first classification. Yes. Where did you finish at? I think I was B class. B class. I think I was B class. How yeah. long were you in B class? Uh, like a couple months. And then I was A class. But I, I have my own gripes with the classification system. Okay. But I didn't make GM until I beat enough GMs at Area 3. So Area 3, when you beat that, so you, so you got the bump match bumps. Yes. When I won Area 3, I got the match bump. Because I wasn't shooting a bunch of local matches. wasn't getting the classifiers and everything. So that's where okay. I got the bump. But it's funny about Yong saying that is it's young is a very high level shooter, you know, not national champion or anything like that, but mm-hmm. he's high enough level. And I think there's a certain group at a high level that can decide this, but like people that top, top level, like someone like Eric Grafell, he can look at someone 
even like a 14, 15 year old kid and say, does he have it or not? And if you've been shooting for two, two or three years and you look at their development and look at where they're at now and like how they reached a peak, how they overcome that, things like that. I can just look at people and be like, what is the top that they could possibly be? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a kind of brutally honest truth. Luckily for Yang, he didn't have to be brutal, you know, brutally honest with me, but he's like, right. you can do this, you know? So that's an interesting thing that at a top level, you can look at people and see well, how you developed, how much work you've been putting in and what your potential can be. But okay. just an interesting, interesting thought there. So, and that brought on 2018. Yep. And you're mm-hmm. shooting then. You were shooting, Kai shooting at that yep. time. Um, and <clears throat> you had a pretty good 2018. Yeah. So I think th- what I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Open that, Nats. That was open, open Nationals, and mm-hmm. that was also nine days of Nationals. Yes. So you finished what place in, in Open Nationals? So I was third. That's that was I a fun I thought year. it was third because mm-hmm. that was my very first major USPSA yeah. event. And um, you finished third. Right. And that, I remember that. I remember hearing the words like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing those exact same words. Yeah. And, you know, who is this guy? Blah, 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 blah. And everybody was just blown away and you mm-hmm. were there. And, but that brought on 2019. Yes. Where you, I don't, was this a personal goal to go win yes. every area match? Absolutely. Okay. And so a step back on that, but that's a very interesting point you bring up 2018. So at the start of 2018, area six, we just had a few weeks ago. That was what, like uh, April, I think. Right. Yeah. April. And so I was really early on in the season because back then matches are way more stacked now in September, October. It used to be right. all during the summer. We used to be shooting in Texas right. and Florida in a hundred degrees in July, you know, mm-hmm. terrible, you know, to a certain extent, it's nice moving them back. But I shot area six, really with no expectations, trained for like two weeks out of it with the Akai gun. Mm-hmm. We're just ripping it. Uh, just my dad would go to Renton after work like two nights a week, you know, shoot three, 400 rounds. Like, mm-hmm. hey, let's just, you know, no real expectations. Uh, my mom, I guess, was going to the match. I, I never really traveled with my mom as much leading up to mainly my dad, but like, oh, well, your mom's going with you. you know? Oh, cool. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Go down to Area 6 and it was like Shannon Smith and Cody Baker and Chris Tilly. Yep. And I shot a really good match and I've been practicing, feeling really good behind the gun and I won. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just beat the, the last year's national champion. I think like 2017, mm-hmm. Cody Baker won. That's right. I was like, oh my gosh, I used to be the last year's champion. I was talking to Cody kind of about, you know, how he felt about the match and everything. He's like, I don't feel pretty good. Like you're doing real well. Like keep it up. And he was a, he was a teammate at that point. And mm-hmm. I've always been real great with Cody. Cody and I have a good relationship yes. and I hope he's at open Nats this year. He's always, always great shooting with him. Right. But I was like, oh wow, I guess I can really do this. So between area six, I was like the real big, like I already had the spark going, already the fire going. That was mm-hmm. just gas on the fire at that point. So I really training up to open nationals. And what's funny about open nationals is it was a very uh, busy time because leading up to open Nats 2018, I just moved into my fraternity house, freshman fall quarter at fraternity. Mm-hmm. You can only imagine there's plenty of events oh, yeah. going on. There's plenty of distractions going yeah. on. My guns had to be kept 30 minutes away at, a, it sounds like 30 minutes, so no, no problem, but right. 30 minutes. So me to go practice, I drive 30 minutes home, 30 minutes to the range, 30 minutes back, 30 yeah. minutes back again. You weren't dry firing in the dorm. No, it was not dry firing <laughs> in the dorm at all. Luckily now I have my guns, but there was no dry oh, fire. Turning, excuse me. Right. So I'd go and as a, as a freshman pledge, you're supposed to, you're supposed to stay at the fraternity yeah, house as much as possible. Yeah. Right. So I, I, you know, asked for permission to go home. They were very understanding of it, which mm-hmm. is really great. Very supportive. Did you tell them you were a competitive shooter? 100%. Yeah. Did that get any um negative you know i don't because sometimes so. you know you got positives yes everybody thinks oh it's cool Definitely. but there's people that do go you know because they weren't raised that way totally and especially we're in, in washington we're exactly in seattle <laughs> so yeah. did you have any do you remember any negatives like well yeah what the hell is this guy 100 percent. and okay. so and so i've always had the perception of saying i'm gonna be 100 authentically true to myself i think i have a different different not different personality but just like i'm my own personality i'm very very sure of who I am and, and and what I do. And so I said, if anyone's going to shy away from that, that's their own problem. I'm going to be me. The, what if the president of the fraternity uh-huh. 
for some reason, based on how he was raised, it was anti-gun. Yep. And he was the one making the decision based on your pledge. Yep. And he knew that and and was not happy. What do you think? What do you, what, 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 you didn't have to approach that. I didn't have to approach I, it. I'm putting you into a situation. You know, what if, right? Of, what, what, you know, your passion. Yeah. What, you know, would, would, you have, would you have even considered thinking about something different to stay yeah. with the fraternity or would you just, or, yeah. or just, or just moved on? Do you have your, I know it's hard to yeah, think about. Yeah, it's hard to think about, but it's no, all, definitely an interesting know. question. I mean, my fraternity though, I feel like is a very unique fraternity. It's, okay. you know, one, one of the really good fraternities on campus with the culture and who we are. And okay. so I don't think that would ever happen. We have a very unique bunch of people okay. that have all different interests. But if I did go in a house, that'd be very difficult. I mean, I, know. I would potentially consider rushing to their house or something like that, but mm-hmm. everyone was very supportive, which is cool. But it's funny you mentioned that because on my college application to get into foster school business, I knew I was going to get into UW. I had real good grades. I was valedictorian in my high school. I knew I was going to get into UW, but foster getting a direct admission was always kind of a, not a stretch, but it's definitely hard to get in. The acceptance rates are very low. Okay. So I said, I'm going to have to send it on this individual application. So I talked all about shooting, all about what I've learned about it. And I got in on your application, on my application to University of Washington, foster wow. school business. And I was like, it was always a, not a reach, but it's definitely something I needed to, you know, foster is very hard to get into. And it's mm-hmm. definitely a reach. Yeah, to a certain extent, and I all about shooting. Did anybody tell you that was a bad idea to talk about shooting? I think plenty of people told me a bad idea. <laughs> <Just curious. laughs> my mom and dad were very supportive of it, and I said, I'm going to stay true, stay true to who I am. Yeah. And that stayed true through all my, you know, staying in the fraternity, right. on campus, everything. Never shied away from it. I will say, when people got to know me and who I am, and then got introduced to shooting, I think different results than than when someone introduced me and saying oh he's a competitive shooter and i don't know them you know and uh it's funny so i i knew everyone and knew you know, all the different sorority girls and my fraternity brothers everything like that and my fraternity brothers all knew about shooting but you know if i was introduced to a girl they wouldn't be like oh this is you know this is christian he's a competitive shooter that obviously wasn't the first introduction right mm-hmm. but once i got to know someone and then they said oh yeah i do competitive shooting they're like oh that's awesome mm-hmm. i never really had any negative results but i would assume if i just met someone and then straight on competitive shooter and let's say they're anti-gun or something it's a way different approach but it got to a point where freshman year everyone had nicknames i think probably out of my pledge class at 26 i think five people don't have nicknames and that's because right. their last names are so just like short right. you know and so uh my nickname shooter right so it's like shooter? hey shooter how's it going yeah so it's so funny like it sounds super weird to people here because like everyone here is a shooter right, right. But like what's up shooter how we doing like it's right. just so casual and it's funny because we'll be at the mariners game we're the mariners game and uh it was me and my buddies going to the mariners game and a group of sorority girls from a sorority down the street and they're walking by and uh she just yells hey shooter how's it going right to turn all of our heads to, to look back and it goes ahead to him and she's like oh my gosh like i can't be saying hey shooter you know like it's so casual and normal for them to just say that but it's, it's lucky that i didn't have any really negative interactions with that but i'm like you know like i'm not the type of guy to shy away from uh from from any i don't say controversy but shy away from anyone that doesn't like you me or you for, for right. who you are and so i right. think i've always stayed true to myself and i don't think anything will ever change that but there are some times where it's not a hill worth dying on because you need to do different things okay. but for the most part i always stay true to who, who i am and okay. and i think that's been real good especially with navigating that sort of waters very cool so let's go back to yes 2018 yep you just finished third mm-hmm. at open national which is crazy you're on an airplane back Yes. With your mom. Yes. And, and dad. They both came And dad. <laughs> yes, they were both there. Do you, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people make goals. Yeah. And they write them down or they actually voice their goals. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Did you ever voice your goals that 
I'm going to win every area match. Was that a goal or yeah. just, or is it, what, what did that, or is it something that just started mm-hmm. happening? You're like, well, hell, I want to finish this out. <laughs> no, did, or did you yeah. actually truly make a goal? I mean, it, yeah, it is, you know, cause that's pretty, you mm-hmm. know, like pretty wild if you did make a goal, pretty crazy, yeah. but if you get to a certain point, like, well, hey, I won three, like, yeah. I, when I, there's only, you know, so many more to so go. So many more to go, right? So what did that look like? Did you, yeah. did you make any goals like that? Yeah, definitely. So I didn't, I don't know if I really wrote them down okay. to a certain extent, but I definitely had them. That these are my goals. I knew exactly what they were. Writing them down is definitely good, but I knew exactly what they were. But after 2018 nationals, like after the first day, JJ and KC are like, basically, who is this kid to yeah. a certain extent? Right. And, uh, and so I looked at the, I looked at the full analysis of it and I ran some pretty bad stage plans at 20, not bad, but not great stage plans. I skipped a target. So I did once again, the what if analysis, let's say I don't skip the target. Let's say I improve on this or this or this, or tune up, you know, 5% here, 5% here, which I definitely think I can do. Oh, all of a sudden I win the match, you know? So I was like, okay, I can do this. So going home. And that's one of the things my dad has always pushed me and pushed or not, not pushed me, but always reassured And my mom and my dad, but especially my dad with the, with the shooting has always been like, you can do like after area three, he's like, you can do this. Like you can win this match. Like, Oh, I don't know. But with nationals, he's like, you can, like, you can do this. Like, look, if we, we change this, there's like, we well, can do this. So you your know? dad actually analyzed some things with you. Yeah. To a certain extent, like he doesn't get all the USPSA things. He gets the USPSA math, which has been pretty helpful. Well, he's, play, he's out. He's out there a lot. He's out there a lot. I remember, sure. you know, he's out there helping pace. He's out there looking at stuff. Oh, yeah. if, if there's a, if there's a questionable call, mm-hmm. he's there to help you. Yes. You know, he's your, um, I can't think of what it's delegate. called. Delegate. Yeah. Yes. He's your delegate. Yeah. It's out there making things are happening. So, definitely. Cause I remember, you know, coming on the scene and mm-hmm. I remember going to the area matches yeah. and I remember area eight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very vividly. Yes. And we, we had talked more then yes. than we ever had just mean, you Definitely, know, as yeah. far as walking by and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Cause I got to walk around. I was doing, that's when I first started recording stages yeah. and doing a lot of things and putting stuff out there. And you're, you know, it's funny, your dad, you know, you don't know this, but your dad, I, I, I said, how's he doing? Mm-hmm. And your dad came to me and goes, well, don't say anything, <laughs> but cause I don't, I don't want him to know, but he's, he's got this, this, and this, I think he's looking good. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. So yeah. I started paying attention and then I started paying attention cause there's only like three stages mm-hmm. left. Yeah. Yeah. You were so analytically mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. and it came down to the very final stage of it area did. eight. It did. You knew mm-hmm. what you had to do. Yes. But you did yeah. something that was just, <clears throat> I won't say careless because nobody got hurt. Yeah. But you went all out. 100%. What was your out. mindset <clears throat> going into that last stage? Yeah, 100%. So we're right there at the last stage. But I think it sets a bigger picture of the whole year. So I'm going to step back a little bit. But that that moment right there is probably one of the most intense. You were right there. You were right I was there. there. This is one of the most intense moments of my entire shooting career by far. Mm-hmm. So stepping back, I had shot area six at the beginning of the year. I shot a few more area matches. I had probably three or four more planned. I started winning a few. I mean, it's like, hey, why don't we go to this match? OK, sounds good. Let's go to this match. Sounds good. Okay. And then it's like, oh, area one and area seven are scheduled on the same weekend. And he's like, well, you basically shoot a few more. I'm like, I'd love to, you know? And well, the only way to make it work is shoot staff, fly out Friday and shoot first thing, you know, Saturday or Sunday or whatever all day. It's like, let's do it. Why not? Let's make it happen. And that's kind of where the make it happen thing kind of started. Was, let's make it happen. You know, um, didn't really catch on till later, but I was like, oh, let's make it happen. So I started winning the matches. And my dad's like, all right, we're just going to like, my dad and I talked like, let's just win all the area matches. Like, let's do so this. your dad said that? Uh, it was mainly self-driven, like, let's just do it, you know? Okay. And I think at that point, I got kind of keyed into, oh, Max had won all the area matches. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Like, let's, let's win all the area matches. That was still your, that was it still, mm-hmm. it's still your idol to a point where you're like, definitely. I, I want to repeat what he's done. Most definitely. Okay. And so area four, I was all ready to shoot it. 
And then it got, then I wasn't going to go to it because I had a fraternity formal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, I can't miss that, whatever. But at that point, I wasn't all locked into the whole area thing yet, but I got moved and like, now I can make it. And I went and made it and I shot that. I was like, well, I have one more area match. She was area eight and I was scheduled already. So mm-hmm. let's win all the area matches. Uh, I think it was area two, but I don't think anyone else was, it was just like me, maybe one other person. So I, that wasn't saying area it, two was wild because it was after the, it's I, after it, the national. Yeah, it, was, it was so weird. So it's a take, take that one out of it. There's yeah. one last match. It's area eight and JJ hadn't been any of the rest of them. He'd been the, basically the number one contender. I would mm-hmm. say for open with me to contender with each other for the yep. title and area eight comes there and JJ and I, you know, we used to call and talk, all, talk every once in a while on drives and stuff. We, as we got more and more competitive, it became more of a just competitive relationship. And that's just how, how it is. Right. And I, I have a lot of respect for JJ and yeah. what he's done accomplishing. We have a great working relationship today, which is really good. Uh, but we are, at area eight and we were just strictly business. We were just, we were competing and we were just two dogs in the fight at this point. Mm-hmm. And we got maybe four stages left. I got to look back at how many points I was up, but maybe let's say I'm up like 20 points. You got three or four stages left. Um, this is my first, my first match uh, with team infinity. I got my brand new gun there. That's right. Cause you shot mm-hmm. half the area matches mm-hmm. with an Akai with a Kai. Mm-hmm. And then you switched over to an infinity yep. for the second half of the year. And I just shot area five with no, this is the first match with the gun. Yeah. Area eight, area eight. Let, was let's it. caveat off that for one second. Cause mm-hmm. I, I got to, cause I want to know <clears throat> yeah. infinity was recruiting you. Yeah. They're going pretty hard at you. Yeah. They, okay. They're the ones. Cause, who recruited I, cause me. I know, yeah. you know they must, have. you know, when they mm-hmm. offer you, was that, mm-hmm. was that your like, was that your dream to be at that point I, where you were in yeah. your shooting career to, to shoot in a to shoot an infinity? Honestly, because they were that they were the pinnacle. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, well, they, in some in some regards they still are, mm-hmm. but that's where everybody wants to shoot as an infinity. So that, was yeah. that one of those things like, oh heck yeah, yeah. To be one hundred percent honest. I knew very, very little of Infinity. I, okay. I had only seen one guy other than Infinity who was a Spanish guy shooting the Florida Open. Mm-hmm. I honestly knew zero about Infinity before mm-hmm. the before Mel and Infinity reached out to me. Okay. So I had no idea. And I was actually at that time bouncing around a few other options for open gun sponsors and okay. kind of you know, just, just taking that. But this is the middle of the year. In the middle of the year. Yeah. And But I just kind of adapt, pick up the guns, kind of do whatever. And okay. I, I never really let not, I'm mean, into gear doing things like that, but I'm always like, let's pick up the tools and let's work with them. But mm-hmm. they reach out to me and that does recruit me pretty, pretty hard, you know, staying on me and, and everything like that. And I signed a contract at area three okay. and sent it over and, uh, got the gun mid year. Uh, they, they got the rush, the gun, like got it in like two weeks yeah. and got the gun ready to go. And Brandon and, uh, Tiffany, I think you probably met them yeah, down at They flew out. It was the first match they've been to in like five years. They're really excited about having me on the team and everything. They flew out to area eight. They show me how to take apart the entire gun. Like 20 minutes before I shoot, I have the entire gun apart. But yeah. obviously, trust him. He's very uh, highly capable with mm-hmm. everything like that. And put the gun back together, all ready to go. Gun's locked in. I've been practicing with it. He's like, break it in, break it in, break it in. So right. I put 2,000 rounds in one week, which is the most I pretty much ever shot up to that point. I I was very low round count. I think 2,000 okay. rounds in one week, broke the gun in. Gun was working perfectly, perfectly, perfectly. And I think maybe the gun got dry or just filled little tight tolerances. Hadn't, you know, shot a bunch of rounds through it. Mm-hmm. But I go on my third to last stage, about 20 points against JJ yes, and yes. this point I'm like oh my gosh we were up against JJ Rakaza this guy looked up to it for a very long time like pressure's on but I love this right now I'm, I'm loving where I'm at and I get to a stage where it goes bah, 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 rack rack I had like four or five racks I'm like oh no and now I'm even then I go into the next stage and I believe I shot a miss or I shot really bad and JJ crushed it mm-hmm. and I was like Oh no, like this is bad. So now I'm going to the last stage down like 11 or 15 points. That's right. And it's like a, I do the math, like it wasn't, a, point it wasn't a very, it wasn't a full point stage. It was two on the outside, two tuxes and two steals. So it was like, yeah, it wasn't much to it. It was not much. It was like 90 mm-hmm. points or hundred points. Yeah. It was a little rectangular box. And, uh, 
and I feel bad about this going back on it, but uh, in the moment, I was entirely genuine with it. At that stage, JJ shot, and I was like, well, that's wraps. I go up to JJ, and I shake his hand and say, hey, congratulations. Like, basically, I look up to you for a very long time. Congratulations. Like, it's been great competing with you. Like, you know, you, you really deserve this, everything like that, right? You, you had that win. conversation before you shot? Yeah, because I thought I lost. Wow. I thought I lost. What did he say? Do you remember? Uh, oh, you know, mutual respect with each other. We've always been like that. But I don't remember the exact well, I'm just, words. I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. He's like, dude, you ain't even shot yet. I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't think it was like well, that. I, I get it because nobody saw it happening. Yeah. Nobody saw nobody saw what is getting ready to happen. Yeah. Happen. No one. No one saw it was about to happen. I don't even think you saw it. No, no, I didn't. Which is why I said, hey, hey, JJ, like a great shoot with you. Everything right. like that. And uh, I was sitting down loading my mags for the last. I load, I load my mags. Even my mags were the problem causing the jams. OK. And I was sitting down next to JJ. You took a picture there and I, that's one like the match photo that I put on, on, on Instagram, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just sitting down, obviously guy I respect and looked up to for a very long time. I was like, cool. We're sitting down loading mags, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, at that point, you know, Hyder and I go to the safety table, put some oil on the gun. I think, uh, a couple, maybe another couple SV uh, guys were there, got the guy ready to go. And he's like, dude, just, just go hard. Like you, you maybe do this. I'm like, okay, we'll see. I'm like, let's just do this. And I don't think I made that much of a conscious effort. I know I said like, let's just do this. It'll make it happen, whatever. But I was like, let's just, let's just shoot a side space. So Hyder was a little motivation then? A little bit of motivation. Yeah, definitely. That's I mean, cool. Yeah. It, he gave me a confidence that, the, that it maybe wasn't the gun. just getting dry, put some oil on it. Let's, let's, let's do it. Right. Okay. So, uh, that was cool. I, I love shooting. The, I love shooting with those guys back yeah. then. It was a really good time. Yeah. So I go up to the stage. I'm like, let's just do this. And I just absolutely hammered the stage. I didn't really have anything in my mind that was back then I had no problem being carefree. Nowadays it's very hard to let it rip because I know I have a lot more to lose. You know, mm-hmm. I shoot, I shoot a style now that's more conservative, more points, repeatable process, but I know I'm not tapping on my full potential. Right. And, and it's funny is even if I feel like I tap up my full potential, I still don't feel like I induce that much more risk to it, which is very interesting. Something I still I'm playing with. Okay. I'm at this stage short course of fire. I think I've already lost this point. I'm like, let's just, let's just shoot. Let's have fun. Let's shoot it. And I absolutely hammer this stage. And this is where I think like, uh, you know, tight partials at far distance really separate the men from the boys and the, the who has the really good fundamentals. And I've really been focusing on my left hand crush, really focused on having the gun move straight and straight down, tucks it up on me, you know, 15, 17 yards. And I just put bang, 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 like 20 splits on these tuxes. And then just hammer like 11s at these close little guys and transition over, hit the steel one for one or whatever the papers were. And I was like, wow, that, that was quick. That was quick, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I hear do the background you, of the video. Mm-hmm. Do you, I know I, when you're shooting, I talked to other shooters before yeah. and everything is so fast. It's yes. all, it's all like almost tunnel vision because it's so fast. Yes. Have you replayed that in your mind to be able to know, remember exactly what that, every movement was like yes 100 i have that at one stage here today kind of a full full 100 subconscious you're just watching things play out in front of you mm-hmm. you really aren't making many decisions at all because nothing's throwing off from what the game plan is sometimes right. you can be in that state and something will throw your story throw, throw yourself out of that right. that was 100 just in the in the full process just the best that you could possibly okay. shoot it was all subconscious all subconscious mm-hmm. and i have a process in place to try to get as subconscious as possible mm-hmm. but that perfect state I've analyzed every time I've ever had it. And it's so difficult to get in that perfect state. Right. It only happens every once in a while. But when you're in that, when I'm in that state, no one's beating the time. So when you knew mm-hmm. what happened with the time and mm-hmm. you said, dang, that was fast. Yep. Call the good shots. When did you, how much longer did you realize before it was enough? Mm-hmm. Was it like within, as soon as it was scored or did you, did it take longer? So first thing I did, I called good shots, but I ran out to the long tuxes and I saw my two alphas on it. They're touching on it. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Okay. I still didn't think I'd won. Okay. Because JJ had uh, a few kind of uncharacteristic misses, mm-hmm. which balanced out to a certain extent, my bad jams on two different stages right. and a miss. 
And at that point, John Vlieger had been shooting a lights out. John match. was on point. He was on day. point. Probably some of the best ever shot yes. seen John shoot. Yep. And JJ and I had really bad problems, uncharacteristic of my gun jamming and mm-hmm. and uh, and him having problems. Didn't it wasn't until we all all the scores were finalized for fresh. We're like, oh my gosh, well John almost got us. Yes. And uh, and I won. I was like, wow, I I didn't see that coming. I think maybe I even apologized to JJ at the time. Like, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I mean, he's already done shooting, so it didn't affect him at no, all. No, exactly. It didn't affect him at all. But I was like, I I really thought you got it. Like we shot a great match, and it's been a pleasure shooting with you and everything but i was like wow that that was just the craziest one of the craziest moments of just a huge comeback of adversity of the gun not working me not shooting very well mm-hmm. and this is the most hyper competitive i've ever been in up to that point and yep. it was pretty cool because i when the pressure was on to the max extent i could pull it out of right. who knows where yep. you then know? you went to utah and yep. then won nationals and i remember crazy. and i remember your speech yes because you were up front in front of everybody yeah and it was very emotional for mm-hmm. you and you were you, you you all you knew to thank pretty much was your parents. Yeah, basically, my and parents. it was so cool. Yeah, because I remember that because mm-hmm. you went all into it with your parents yeah. and how much they put you through and mm-hmm. everything else. And you know, was it a relief mm-hmm. to be able to do that? Did you get to a point where it's like I, I can I can relax now, or did you feel more pressure? Probably more pressure, but at that point, there has been so hard to get up to the match. Mm-hmm. Like I sacrificed so much leading up to the match. Like I had a great college. Tell me what you sacrificed. Yeah. So a lot of different social. Like today, it's a little di- a little bit different. But a lot of the times where my buddies would be going out on Friday, like, you know, I had class during the week and be hard to get range time during the week. I'd have to shoot on Saturday, or Sunday. All my buddies would be going out Friday. I went out plenty. Don't don't worry about so you that. Were, so you were basically a loner in 2019. Not really a loner, but not as social as I would normally be, especially in the fall of my sophomore year. And keep in mind, after 2019 Nationals, then COVID hit. So basically missed like my last big social normal quarter. Mm-hmm. I, I went out plenty. Don't worry. But... I know I, I go to bed early on Friday night at, you know, eight, eight or nine o'clock. So I wake up the next morning to go drive two hours to a match or to go practice. And so I didn't feel like I missed out. I got all, all the full college experience I wanted. I had a great time, but I sacrificed a lot of social time there. Um, you know, family time. Your like, parents sacrificed everything. My, 100%. So I, I thought I sacrificed, you know, a, a lot with that sort of stuff, uh, you know, work and, and just, just really pushing myself to the max of what I was possibly capable of. But my parents did too. My dad, who works extremely hard, he's working like 60 hours a week, just ridiculous, gets up before the, before the sun comes up, sun goes down, he's not even home yet, right? Mm-hmm. My mom running all over the place as well. And my dad will still, at the end of the workday, at five or six o'clock, be like, hey, I got, I got time on a Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You want to, what you want to practice? Let's do it. So he sacrificed it. I mean, he's at the range helping me practice, picking up brass, helping me load when I couldn't. I've loaded plenty of ammo, but my dad's helped load ammo. My mom's driven me to the range. My mom's out there taping targets when I'm practicing, you know, my mom is meeting me at UW with all my range gear packed and my targets and everything to help me get to the range because I was busy at a test or something. So they had sacrificed plenty. They have their own things they want to be doing and they're flying all around the country with me. They're going to rent in fishing game club to go get dirty in the, the dirt everywhere and pick up stuff for me and, and right. help. And, and so I thought I sacrificed plenty. And that's one thing. Do you even remember your speech in 2019? I mean, to a certain extent. So the thing <laughs> is, is like at that point, I'd already Cause given... Because you, you were all into it. It was yeah, I, I'd given I'd given plenty of speeches and everything. I think my heart was pumping pretty tough at that point. But mm-hmm. the number one thing I wanted to focus on was the, the sacrifice. I don't think I mentioned anything I had done, but it's the sacrifice of my parents. You know, yes. and without my parents, I could not have done anything. And right. I attest so much of my success in shooting and life to what my mom, has, how my mom has raised me, mm-hmm. how my dad's raised me, all the early lessons they've taught me. So like 
without my parents, there's obviously no me. Right. Like, but there, without my parents, truly there is no me and who right. I am today. So, so cool. I, I attest a lot of my success, not only in shooting, but in life and the way I conduct myself to the way that they've raised me. So right. I really appreciate that sort well, of stuff. Then you made some changes. Mm-hmm. You know, Team Infinity was going to mm-hmm. change and everything mm-hmm. went silent. Yeah. You went quiet for mm-hmm. about, I don't know, a month or two on social media. Nobody yeah. knew what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And everything was kind of, was it, you know, was everything cloudy for a while or was everything mm-hmm. kind of like regrouping? What was that like during the time when, when, yeah. when, when, you, when, when everything departed from Infinity? What was that like? Yeah, that was interesting. I feel like growing up with having Infinity be a big part of my life, mm-hmm. uh, being like a part of my identity to a certain extent. Yeah, you, I mean, start, you started helping out with some of their, you know, their um, Infinity experiences, everything. Absolutely. Um, I sacrificed a lot for that company. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I went down for two, three days. I set up the Infinity experience all by myself twice. Right. You know, I set up the entire stages, everything. Sacrificed a lot for the company, put a lot of work in there, um, sold a lot of guns, did a lot of PR stuff for them, videos, everything. Right. Put a lot, a lot of work into that. And to enough ex- extent where it started to become part of my identity to a certain extent. Okay. Um, so it's part of my identity to, you know, you know, to a part, right? Yeah. That has been a big part of my life. And having that then transition off, I left definitely with a sour taste in my mouth, not how things wanted to go. Right. You know, I respect everyone there. I appreciate the things they've done for me. It definitely helped me out, but yep. not not how I wanted that whole situation to go. Right. But I want the absolute best for them. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, because you went, uh-huh. nobody knew what she was going to shoot next. Yeah. and it, no, it, Nobody it, knew. You know, I, I even called my buddy down. I called Shay. I said, hey, Anybody been in touch with you? No. He goes, no, he ain't been in touch with me. I said, dang. I called Kafir at Bull Armory. And I said, hey, you heard from Christian? He goes, no, what? I said, I don't think you shoot for Vinny anymore. He goes, I'll pick him up. Yeah, give me a call. <laughs> so, I mean, I remember I was doing the research myself because it was, you were, you were quiet. Yeah. During this time, did you did you know what you was going to do or did you have a plan or, you, or was there stuff that you were just kind of winging it for a while? What was that like? Well, I mean, I definitely had uh, plenty of offers from like top manufacturers right. and all the co- all the custom open guns and everything like that. And, uh, you know, factory stuff. And mm-hmm. but it wasn't anything I really wanted to do. Like I was just focusing on myself. And honestly, I had I had plenty of guns to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working. I could you know pay for some of my own guns and things like that. So it wasn't a matter of uh, like a need per se. It was a, what was gonna be the right fit. And for me, you're you're the mm-hmm. spotlight. At this you point, just, open, just, yeah. yeah, you just you just won again. Yeah. So there was no shortage of sponsorships. It was, what did I want? And at that right. point, I knew what was a good sponsorship, a healthy sponsorship. What was more toxic? What would bring me down versus support me and drive me to the to top that I could be? Right. Okay. So I knew exactly what I wanted out of it. Uh, and I found things that would have been per- perfect for me, what I wanted. But mm-hmm. with where I'm going with life and trajectory of, of working and career and what I want to shoot and my goals and aspirations, I felt mm-hmm. like it was best to just, you know, my stock was already high then, but just focusing on building my stock and who I am and the, the shooter that I am okay. and keep growing. Okay. Just kind of do my own thing, you know? And mm-hmm. right now, if I want to go pick up, uh, you know, Max's P320 and go shoot it, right. I can go pick that up. Like, I wouldn't be able to shoot with uh, old sponsorship restrictions. I wouldn't be able to shoot my Karaoke's gun. Mm-hmm. I had an absolute blast this weekend. Right. I'm having an absolute blast competing my absolute heart out for a Karaoke's title later this year. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. You shot with Team Infinity this weekend. I did. Did you miss it? Were you glad to be back with it? Did it, did it make you feel like, damn, I remember how much fun this was shooting no. with this team? No. I, or, was I, it, or was it a different mindset I, altogether? I love all those guys. Yes, I love of course. Them. Of course. I do not miss it. Okay. I pick my own friends now. Okay. Uh, and so they know who they are. Yeah. And my, my group of, my group of friends, uh, 
real tight knit group. We have okay. group chat. We call each other. We support each other. I, I felt like, you know, there are a lot of great guys where I love shooting with them, but now I've truly picked my friends and people that truly have my back for who I am, okay. which I absolutely love. And so I have a really great support system. I've always had it with my family. I've always mm-hmm. had it with my friends locally. Yeah. I have it now with my shooting, my shooting friends as well. Yeah. But the team has definitely changed quite a bit. Okay. You know, it used to be me on Team Infinity, Chris Tilly on Team Infinity, yeah. former national it champion. It has changed a lot. It has changed. Chris Tilly, former national champion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, world shoot guy, top in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Drummond, uh, Jorge Ballesteros, world champion. So, mm-hmm. you know, two or three top guys in the world, four mm-hmm. top guys in the world. We want to count myself as well. Right. Now it's a different team. Uh, they have different goals. Uh, they picked up different team members. They're great. Mm-hmm. Shot with a lot of them this weekend and had an absolute blast shooting yeah. with them. You look like you had a good time. That's I, why I, I had a great, shooting, a great time shooting with them. Yeah. And, you know, Bruno and Mel and I go way back. Yeah. Uh, it was nice meeting Elena this weekend as well. She's yep. a great shooter uh, shooting with her as well. But she's changed a lot. She's grown so much in a year, hasn't she? Yeah, she's doing great. It's incredible. Yeah, and, and absolutely, you know, a real fun time shooting with her. Yep. She's a real sweet gal yep. um, and, and good team. So I definitely like shooting with them, but no, I don't miss it. I know okay. I'm on, I'm on my, uh, Christian Styler stuff. You are. And, and that's fine. Am. That's yeah. why I asked the question though, because mm-hmm. oh, you definitely. decided, you know, when the internet was all buzzing around and yeah. all of a sudden you, you picked up carry optics. And you know what's funny about that? Last thing on the internet buzzing around is it's so funny when people think they know, I know. what they don't know. Mm-hmm. I remember reading some Brian Eno's th- threads <laughs> and I remember some people commenting stuff like, oh, Christian was like such a jerk or whatever, or whatever, whatever. I'm just like, you know, to a certain extent, uh, it's just funny what people think when they mm-hmm. think that they know and they know absolutely nothing. Okay. But no, I, uh, you know, I wish absolutely the best to infinity and all. I have a great relationships with a lot of people still at infinity, right. still sponsored by infinity. I wish them nothing but the best. Right. I'm very excited to see Brandon and Tiffany and uh, their son, Dusty as well yes. later this year. Yes. It'd be great to see how he's grown up and very great to see them again. And but still, yeah. When you went to go pick up carry optics. Yes. Take me to where the place where mm-hmm. it is in your mind, mm-hmm. where you realize this is next. Mm-hmm. And you know who you're going to be competing against. Yeah. The person you've been watching mm-hmm. for the past four or five years, mm-hmm. give or take more. And you're like, this is my next challenge. Yeah. So for me, okay, that, that's very interesting. I love how you set the scene there. So I'm shooting open. I've, uh, for the past three years, I've won every match that I've entered with the open guns pretty much. I'm trying to think IPC Nationals like 2017, 18. So I've been very good with the open gun and I feel very confident behind it. And the world shoot's coming up. I graduated early this fall because I'm taking classes early. The world gets moved, gets moved. The world is going to happen this fall. I'm like, I want to have something fun to do during the year. Not that I don't have fun shooting open. I want to learn something. I want to grow. I want to shoot against other champions. You know, I have enough open championships in the U.S. where they matter. I love, I love winning area matches with open gun. Mm-hmm. I love winning open national championship with open gun. But if I go win this Dragon's Cup and open, it's not going to mean as much if I win, as I win carry optics and beat Max and beat JJ. Unfortunately, Max didn't show up to this match. He has own things going on. I totally respect that, but it'll mean more to me. Did it disappoint you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just absolutely. Curious. Just curious. If it, no, you know, I was, if, I was if, pretty sad. I was, was very like, excited. Uh... I, was, yeah, I was very excited to shoot, shoot. Uh, Shooting is a mental game. Yeah, it is. And if you, if you take this, this is my perspective. I'm not a shooter, mm-hmm. but if you take people out throughout the year, mm-hmm. It's a mental game at the end of the year. I mean, you know, you have to agree with where I'm going. Though, oh, I, I completely it's, it's agree. All, you know, if I, if it's, it's mm-hmm. like, I hit you once, I hit you again, I hit you again. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is you know, it's, it's all going into it. 100%. Okay. And, I'm just and making I, sure I wasn't being prestigious. No, 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 and, no. And no, putting no. words in your mouth. No, you're, that, that's you're how, always spot on. That's right? how you're I would be. On. I'd be like, if I, if I can break you down a little bit here, here, and here, I'm going to get you in the end. Yeah, and, and I have no problem with not shooting against Max up until Nationals, but I'd like to secure a win before then, obviously. Right. And... I'm not a, a shooter makes any excuses. Like I literally hate it when people make excuses and the what ifs and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just going to say area six was not representative of the shooter that I am. Right. I had external factors on stages that affected my performance. Yes. Where I lost a considerable amount of points. We, we actually talked about that when yeah. it happened. You, yeah. You, you had some things you, you lost. You did not win area six. I did not six. win area six. That was the first time I'd lost. What was the trip mm-hmm. back home like? You know. Because I, if, I, if I think I know you like I think you know. I know you, it was not a very no. joyful trip. Right. And I sacrifice enough in this sport where I don't do this to lose. Okay. I say that in the most humble way possible. I don't do this to lose. You know, right. there's people that practice. There's mm-hmm. people that practice to win. I've heard so many people right. say that. Right. And if I was in a point where I'd stop winning for whatever reason, there's no way I would ever win again. I wouldn't sacrifice. I do things I do to come out here and shoot. Okay. And so I had sacrificed so much. I had so much going on in my life leading up to area six and the two weeks out before that match, even the month out for that match, I made so many sacrifices, worked my abs, worked my butt off mm-hmm. to train and be ready and dialed with a new gun. Champion, Which was, uh, mm-hmm. who, made, who made your carry off this gun? CZ, Impact Machine, did all that. Okay, okay. But I've been champion and open. I'm stepping completely out of my comfort zone. I know this is something that I want to do. I want to go win another division. I want to go shoot against other champions. I want to do this. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. Not many people have done that, but I'm ready for this challenge. I'm so up for it. I'm getting fired up. I'm so excited about this. I train so hard. I am ready to go. I get to the match. I have external factors that contribute to me not winning. Mm-hmm. And I can easily say, chalk that up and say, without this, I win. But then I also look at it and say, well, what if I could actually be a better shooter and learn from this and be able to have external factors happen and have me still win? Mm-hmm. And I, so I left that with more, obviously disappointment, but also fired up as saying, okay. let's do this. The next time this happens, I'll have poppers not fall. I'll have this not happen. This, 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 and I'll still win. So it was a motivating thing, but okay. it was disappointing. I come back home. I show up to work Monday morning, 630 AM. And I'm like, this, this sucks to be back here without a dub. Did I mean, people know that you were going to a match oh, yeah. and you had to tell them you didn't win. Oh, hundred percent. They're not used to that. You know? that's what I was, what, I'm not was, used to that. How, how, yeah. um, for lack of better words, mm-hmm. um, I guess humbling was that it was definitely humbling to a certain extent. I mean, It'd be one thing if I just got beaten outright, which is probably what I'd rather prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, but having external factors, wasn't able to fully get that at the start. And that's why I was real quiet for like two weeks. Didn't post anything. I was yeah. just like, let me just think about this before I say something that I don't fully mean. Right. So it would be easy for me to jump out and say, oh, a popper didn't fall. This happened, whatever. Like this is why I didn't win. But I was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm just going to focus on the things that I could have changed. I could have reloaded in this different position. I could have hit this popper. I could have done this, could have done this differently. I could have not shot the mic, could have done whatever, right? So you owned it. I completely owned it at that point. I didn't originally. That's why I was real quiet. I don't say, didn't say anything, didn't say anything in person. I didn't yeah. own it at first. Yeah, we didn't talk a lot for your list. We did yeah. talk, we didn't yeah, yeah. talk a lot. We didn't talk a lot, yeah. But it was one of the, I, I know just the difference. Yeah, and so I, I was leaving that saying, I'm definitely motivated to go train more and do that. And that's exactly what I did. And I, I think, I wouldn't, didn't reach my full stride here at Dragon's Cup, but I definitely shot a lot better and mm-hmm. who I, what I normally shoot at. And so it definitely was motivating, but it was different. I mean, people at work were like, oh, you know, you get the next one, everything like that. People at my fraternity, I've been known for, for weeks and weeks, like, or for years and years, like, oh, wow, well, that's, that's different, you know? And are you uh, yeah. looking for matches that he signed up for? Most definitely. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, okay. I, I don't, if, if JJ and Max weren't here, yeah. I would love to come and shoot the Dragon's Cup. All right. And this is an amazing match, by oh, the way. Oh, it's a great match. Great match. I love it. Uh, Marco running an absolutely great match. <laughs> Billy, those guys, yeah. great match. But I, but with what I have going on in life and what I want to be doing right now, I wouldn't have come. Really, I would not. Have, oh, wow. I want to that come. Sense. No, that's what you're yeah, saying. I want to no, come. Yeah. Li- li- you want to, you, you have to choose life at some point. I'm taking my licensing exams. I'm working a bunch. Yeah. My last quarter living with all my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, my last. I mean, I'm working, but I, you know, everyone's still in school that they're yeah. my age and, and in my class. So I wouldn't sacrifice that. Now, maybe in two years from now, maybe a year from now, two years right. from now, oh, 100%. So you're, you're um, 
I mean, lack of better words, hunting. <laughs> no, uh, not really. I don't want these guys to have a tart on their back. But well, I want to going to air for another, you know, no, <laughs> eight, no, to, no. eight to 10, 12 weeks. So you got a long time, but it's even airs. No, it's but all my good. Point, my point being is, is you're out looking to see where they're going to yeah. be at. So and you this, can, can mm-hmm. keep yourself on edge because you yeah. go to a match and you win, you know, mm-hmm. let's say it's area three and it's yeah. all of a sudden no none of the heats there and you win. It's like, well, what are you accomplishing? Totally. You've got to set yourself up to mm-hmm. where you can push yourself to yes. make yourself better. And you can 100%. only do that against your competition. hundred percent. And when I was at shot show, Show in 20, it was right before Shot Show. Which one I go? 2018, 2020. Yeah, 2019 or 2021. Yeah. The one right before COVID. Yeah. Eric Rafael, uh, I didn't, I mean, I know Eric was there. I was going to maybe see if I can find yeah. him. He, he found me at the Dylan booth and came up and met me. And, and I talked about what his goals were and what he wants to do and what he's shooting at the World Shoot. Mm-hmm. And he said something that stuck me very well that, I, that I'm now embodying more today. He says, I'm not after championships, I'm after champions. And in Carry Optics Tour, I'm here to learn. I'm here to have fun. Nice. But I'm not after championships. I see where this is going. I'm after champions. Okay. And this point, you know, what's, what's left, what's left for me to do is win a world shoot, of course. But if I go win a world shoot and Eric isn't there, it doesn't mean, it does not mean the same thing because right. then everyone's going to say, Oh, Eric wasn't there. Now, right? I've heard if the world shoot doesn't happen, Eric's coming here to shoot the infinity. And goal. I would absolutely love that. I, you know, with me and my days off and stuff like that and getting over to Europe, it's very challenging for me of too, course. but I would love a full-time shoot. Maybe it's a little bit easier mm-hmm. for him to, you know, take off days, right. To come mm-hmm. here. But I would love the opportunity to shoot with Eric. And who made your open gun now? Uh, this is Eddie Garcia guns. So Eddie Garcia yeah. is doing it. Sweet. I've known Eddie since, 2013 junior camp. He was teaching us movement at the junior mm-hmm. camp. Great guy. Nice. Uh, really cares about the guns. Really cares about me shooting him and everything like that. So I got the Eddie guns tuned up. They're absolutely flawless. I love those. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, so there, to world shoot with that. There's so much things happening. You think the world shoot's going to happen this year, even with all the, the restrictions? You know, I hope so. Because if it doesn't, do you, do you think we take other qualifications from other matches and redo the teams? Or what does it look like? You, I mean, you? I think the open team is... I don't really know the, the makeup of the other teams. I think probably not because they earned it. But I mean, the, the dem, like the not demographics, but the kind of the landscape of the divisions have mm-hmm. changed quite a bit. It has. I think we have a really solid team. Uh, don't quote me on it, but I think Shannon is not going to shoot the world shoot. So I think Chris Tilly's on the team. Right. So it'd be me, Casey, Chris Tilly, and, uh, and JJ. So like us four together, very solid team. Mm-hmm. I don't think if I was picking the team, if I had the magic ball or whatever, I could pick the mm-hmm. teams. I don't think I'd pick I think that's a very solid team. We'll do really well. Being in a situation where you're shooting carry optics because mm-hmm. you have that goal at the end of the year and then mm-hmm. the world shooting in the middle of it with open, mm-hmm. does it throw you off or do you feel like you shoot your carry optics gun like you do your open gun? I don't shoot my carry optics gun like my open gun. The open gun is a lot easier to shoot. And okay. so I need to regain a little bit of the top end speed, but I've done a really good job of going back and forth. Because they're pretty close together. Pretty close together. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> I have that challenge. But it's the a big thing challenge. Is, is right now with like work schedule, shooting, social events, stuff like that, I go to work, I get off work, work out or shoot, and then I have to study for my licensing exams. But once mm-hmm. I get my, my, I've taken one, I have two more licensing exams. They'll be done by end of August. So September and October, I'll be moved out. We'll be all graduated and everything. Mm-hmm. I'll have a lot more time after work to go shoot where I can just basically shoot every single day, which I've never had in my life. And I say that now and it probably won't end up like that. But I like to think that I'll be able to shoot a lot more and be able to transition back and forth for guns. Mm-hmm. But I keep a pretty good rotation now. I've never used to do this between iron sight, carry optics, limited 40 and open. Between those four guns, right. I stay tuned up and ready to go. So, you know, at a moment's notice, I don't all of a sudden match in two weeks. I can do my full training progression and be ready to shoot at the highest level with it. So two weeks, I, two weeks. That's what I did for this match. Okay. I didn't pick up the gun since area six besides some dry fire, which okay. I find a lot more value in dry fire. Now Okay. I did a two week training camp uh, two weeks ago. I did two practice sessions and a lot of dry fire. And then the week before I did uh, two days on two days. So I went four 30 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four 30 AM. That's when the range time was available before work after work on Tuesday, Thursday, 
two more sessions. So much. It's just a two day, two, two week training camp, really like a one week training. Two camp. weeks of leave me alone. Two weeks to leave me alone. <laughs> no social activities. I mean, I did yeah. squeeze some in, but right. uh, pretty much just that. Yeah. So. Speaking of social activities, you have posted mm-hmm. some things on Instagram here lately where I see you jumping off cliffs. This is true. Shotgunning alcoholic beverages, <laughs> making your mother, no, making, bang, making no. your mother proud. What does this look like when you, you know, you're on your own, you know, think you have turned 21 now. It's <laughs> true. And, you know, I, I actually yeah. talked to your mom about that. I said, <laughs> what did you think about that? She goes, well, I didn't want him to do it, but he's okay now. So what Okay, you now know, where, where do you go with this? Because they have been, you've been real mm-hmm. close to your family. Definitely. You, you, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're yeah, very yeah. lucky to have mm-hmm. both your parents married at this yes. age. It's very mm-hmm. rare these yeah, days. Definitely. So to have your parents together, mm-hmm. did you feel like you almost had a state of rebellion where you needed to get out no. and just live where you wanted to do and do how you wanted to do it? Because you, yeah. you're not getting permission to go do what you wanted no, to do a post about. No, my Don't mom, even tell me you did. No, my mom. I already know yeah. the answer. You know, you know the answer very well. No, we're not a port of art. I'm support. a parent too. You get this, right? Yes. We're in a boy's My mom said, don't eat street, f- street food. Don't jump off cliffs and don't go in any areas that are like tourist areas. Right. We're in the middle of the jungle to find a waterfall, jumped off a cliff and ate street tacos. So it, it was. And posted all over Instagram. She, uh, I mean, you weren't even hiding this. I mean, this is, wait, which one I post on? I think I post on maybe story. Those are like the well, Okay, trip. so it's there for 24 hours. Is there for 24 Either hours? Way, even the personal Instagram. I but. see I see a I see a and I see a flip. I'm like yeah. going, holy cow. Yeah, no, that, that's a classic right there. But this is our national champion. Yeah, no, this is good. This is good. No, I, I definitely conduct myself very professionally on and off the range. Okay. However, I do have quite a bit of fun with my friends I love going it. out and been in a fraternity for four years, done a lot of fun stuff. That's a whole other that's a whole other fun. It's a whole other fun. I and mean, maybe the fraternity is a little bit different in Seattle than they are down south well, Alabama you know the, the party school of the, of the world so. yeah you have to be a little bit more tame but uh, yeah. no it's, it's a balance I mean sometimes my right. friends uh, are like how do you do this you yeah. know they're like they're like you're going out Friday Saturday you're getting your training in Sunday somehow right. like you're working really how do you do it and it's like maybe it's what you're talking about the brain's always going right. all over the place and I definitely have increased my work capacity so okay. when if I do a normal workload it's like super chill and does, does, your, does your mom follow you on Instagram she does she follows on Instagram the, she has the, access tell to all me, that the, tell me the conversation when you got back home after after the after the 24 hour story was done um i think i well i texted her that video first oh you texted her so, just first. you know i'm fine <laughs> just jumping off the cliff um well she know we did a couple you of gave those. her a heads up i gave her a heads up and the first thing she said is oh you could dislocate your shoulder having your arms up i tucked him at the last moment don't worry about it mom we're a semi-professional here you know but uh no she, she's up for all that well, gets a big kick out of it yeah i'm extremely glad you're having fun yeah definitely. I, I can tell you know you're out here you know i i, I watch shooters constantly mm-hmm. and and, you know, I know when you go into in the, in the work mode, I'll call mm-hmm. it, you know, some people call mm-hmm. it other things, but I know when you're in the zone mm-hmm. and, you, you know, but you're living life. Definitely. You're doing that. Did, you know, is there, do you have any regrets so far? <sighs> you know, it's very interesting you say that because I have my last quarter of school and I look back and it's like, would I do things differently? And I don't think I would. There's things I'd like to change, but because of those decisions that I've made, other great things have come from it. You know, there's, you know, I like to think of stupid things like, Oh, I wish I stuck with piano. I was so good at it. Why don't I keep doing that? Right. Okay. But because I knew that put effort and, you know, elsewhere, Oh, I wish I went to this event or I wish I did this or talk to this person or did this. Right. But because of that I did something else. So I try to look on the positive side okay. of it. And so I have a pretty good positive outlook on stuff. Yes. Sometimes life gets incredibly stressful. And right now in the past probably year, life's been more stressful than it's ever been. And I think mm-hmm. I mentioned this to you. I always say in two months from now, it's going to be a lot more chill. In two months from now, I'll have this mm-hmm. done. It'll be a lot more chill. Yeah. It's not yeah. Right. Not going to happen. Right. <laughs> and I figured that one out pretty, pretty good. But, you know, 
life is stressful. Life is is tough sometimes. I have a lot, a lot, a lot on my plate between work, between shooting, between different life stuff going on. A lot right. of stuff on my plate. Very stressful and definitely a lot or a little sleep. Right. But I love what I'm doing and I'm having a lot of fun. One day. Mm-hmm. When you become the Karyoptics National Champion, I'm just being words matter, and so that's yep. why I always say so when, yeah. when, when it happens. It. Um, do you you want to take on any other divisions? Is, is Revolver in your future? I don't you agree. Know, I mean, because I mean, if you take a mm-hmm. goal of like I'm, I'm going to be area champion in all areas, mm-hmm. do you ever thought about like I'm going to be area champion in every division? That would be pretty cool. Okay. That would be pretty cool. I don't I, know if I have the I, time for I, it, but I, I, I understand. Yeah. But as you get older, then Revolver may be, you know, still there for you. Maybe that's be more my speed in a few years. <laughs> you know, from single now. stack. You know, do you, yeah. do, do you have other, do other desires to yeah. just, because if you want to dominate, you're, this is your sport, mm-hmm. you know, or do you see yourself winning where you're at and, and life happens at 23, 24 and you may be stuck away for a while? Or do you, you know, do, mm-hmm. do you, have you ever thought about, you know, certain yeah. goals that are like, I want to do this before I get out? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, d- I don't think I'm ever going to step away until I'm like really old. But even then, okay. I think I'll still shoot. I don't think I'll ever step away from it okay. because I realize that I, I have this understanding of knowledge that I think very few people have where mm-hmm. I have the ability to not actually train that much, but very intense. And I know what I need to do. Okay. Like if I didn't pick up the open gun for a year, but I had one month of training three times a week, thousand rounds a week, I think I could win the open national championship. Okay. So I don't think I'm ever going to step away because I know at the end of the end of the day, I'm always going to shoot nationals no matter what. Well, we know you have a gift. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to step a bit, a bit further into mm-hmm. this because you listened to my podcast yeah, before. Definitely. I think you have a responsibility. Definitely. I do. I think you have a responsibility to educate more people definitely. about the Second Amendment. Definitely. Because with the Second Amendment we have, everybody knows the hunting, everybody mm-hmm. knows the self-protection, but definitely. the shooting sports. Totally. Not is, really tapped is, to do. You know, is one of those things where we feel, mm-hmm. I feel that um, is the future of, of the Second Amendment mm-hmm. is just as much as anything else is the shooting yeah. sports. Do you see yourself... In a role, I know you're kind of in a financial plate where you're doing stuff, financial advisors, mm-hmm. other things you're doing. Mm-hmm. But do you ever see yourself having to get involved or want to get involved yeah. politically? I definitely do. At some do. point when you get older? Yeah, I've been down to the Capitol a few times. But like with what I'm doing now, it's very hard to ha- like additionally add oh, stuff. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah, just talking later. thought process. 100% later. I'd okay. love to get involved with that. A couple of times I've been down to the Capitol with a local buddy who uh, he's an accountant, but, you know, went to... I don't know if he went to law school, just knows laws very well. Mm-hmm. Went down to meet with our representatives. Because Seattle, Seattle was tore up. Yeah. yeah. And probably still is in some areas. In some areas, for sure. Because I've been to Seattle before. Oh, yeah. I went there and had a great time. Everything was great. And I see mm-hmm. all these pictures, you know, even three years later. Totally different. You're not the same city. 100%. So I love getting involved with the gun side of it. Not as much in the politics side, but definitely the gun side of stuff. Okay. Uh, I love getting, I've been down to the Capitol, talked to my, my representatives yes. multiple times. And that's been actually pretty impactful uh, with how their, their thought process works on it. They left or right? Uh, all left. Okay. I, all I didn't left. know if there's any rights in there or not. Just don't have the majority. I mean, not, not from where I'm in because I'm okay. kind of metropolitan area outside of Seattle. It's, it's all uh, all left, uh, left-leaning. left or So you've been able to explain to a Democratic state official yes. that you're a competitive shooter? Yes. Okay. That I'm a competitive shooter, what I do, and how different laws they want to restrict. Um, the suitcases not putting ammo and guns together mm-hmm. and how you fly with it and mm-hmm. different devices and stuff and use it. Explain to them how that wouldn't work for me or how, mm-hmm. how a different law would then impede on my ability to travel with stuff. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, 
if we are going to pass this, we'll reword it or change it, make exemptions. Uh, but we're not looking to pass it or however, like explain it to them and explain to these people. And they take a whole different approach when it's this college kid who's going there, it's a competitive shooter, mm-hmm. you know, national champion shooting, come explain to him. So it's an interesting perspective that they see. But I'd love to get more involved with that. Okay. I took a communications class as something that's outside of your business major. You have to take different classes. Mm-hmm. And I did a, you know, a comm class and almost every single one of my speeches was about Second Amendment or shooting of some sort. So mm-hmm. definitely like getting involved with it. Not now, but definitely in the future. Wow. I'd love to get involved of that but as far as different divisions i would love to shoot single stack okay i have an event next, so i'm i'm prioritizing shooting i'm leaving the tuscaloosa tomorrow and about alabama excuse yeah. me tomorrow yeah classic nationals i yes. got i got a place in the van you want to go <laughs> i appreciate it you know i got a single stack gun. i've got it i've got guns in the back you of the guns van. Back. i don't even grab me you got the single stack ready to go i would love to do that i am prioritizing things that matter i'm gonna shoot single stack naps so i get more time okay. next week i have a, a fraternity event I need to go to okay. i have my sister's graduation fair too. enough but Somebody's got to graduate. I know, right? Someone's <laughs> got to graduate. You know, proud of her doing that. But uh, I don't know how. But right. no, no, she, she's a real smart gal. Well, but, no. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing everything with me it's today. It's been a great I, chat I, with I, you. We've never had time to sit down and yeah. just have a conversation. I, I hear what I hear just based on listening to people or, right. or, or stu- little, little five-minute conversation we may have in passing a lot, which right. I really appreciate. Thank it's you for doing It's always great chat with you and, and seeing uh, the matches. Is, is anything we missed we didn't really talk about? Is no, it I think you pretty much, much chat with everything. We'll see how we'll see how Dragon's Cup shakes out. Probably go to the out in a flight at two 2.30 for 4.30 right. flight. So see how the score shook out, but it's right. always a pleasure seeing you, seeing you at the matches and pop me on the live streams. I'll give you the rundown yeah, whenever. That's awesome. You've yeah. always been a real big supporter of me, so I really appreciate You're that. You're very welcome, yeah. brother. Thank you. Well, if there's nothing... What, who are your sponsors now besides Christian Siler? You know, Christian Siler and the parents are definitely the big ones, yeah. but uh, Dylan Precision, definitely have to thank them. Nice. That's the press I'm loading on. Starline Brass. Yeah. Everglades are, are the projectiles that I shoot. Mm-hmm. TiVo Sports been using their thumb rest, which is a prototype here this weekend. Right. Bellevue Gun Clubs are local range okay um yeah so uh pretty much covers covers most of them That's but awesome. a lot of other supporters and uh really appreciate everything they've done for you and also shooting the sig electro optics and shooting those as well okay so different sponsorships and relationships but uh for the most part just helping them as much as possible with the time capacity that i have but Definitely focusing on myself and kind of my journey and shooting in life right now. Good deal, man. Well, yeah. That's awesome. Appreciate well, it. if you have anything, you know how you know if you have any questions for Christian or myself, mm-hmm. be sure to send me an email at info at hundershdgold.com. I'll make sure to get them to him if you have any questions. But until next time, thank you so much for watching or listening to Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. And until next time, we'll see you at the range soon. Thanks, Christian. Sweet.